If you find yourself enjoying this episode of the Tail Lights Podcast, please take the opportunity to rate us five stars and write a review if you can. Thanks for tuning in to the Tail Lights Podcast. I'm Eric Thormalen, and over the course of my spring break, I was all over the roads of Texas, traveling from Houston to Matagorda, on up to Schulenburg, out to Bandera, up to Menard, and then like a boomerang, I came back almost the exact same way I went out. I made stops in Schulenburg and Bandera for the purpose of interviewing retired high school football coaches Tommy Bluda and Mike Williamson. This introduction will be found on both episodes. So if you're listening to your second download, feel free to fast forward at this point and go on to the interview. This introduction is specifically to thank both coaches that took their time to share their careers with each listener. I spent nearly six hours with Coach Bluda and around 11 with Coach Williamson. We only recorded about half that amount of time and actually with Coach Bluda we ended up recording twice because we had an issue the first time that was my fault. I really appreciate Coach Bluda letting me come back and I greatly appreciate the amount of time both men so willingly gave up for this and can't thank both enough. I really hope that coaches around the state will listen to this podcast and benefit from it. With that being said, I have to make sure I let each of you know that it may be a little while before episode three becomes available. Unless I find a coach or two in the area, I'm going to have to wait until I can get on the road again and conduct several of the interviews that I have received verbal commitments on as we go forward into the summer. The good news is track season only has a few weeks left and summer is coming before we know it. An important thing for listeners that don't know me, I'm not a reporter. The agreement that I had with both men I've interviewed is that we would have a good conversation about their career and if they had any issues with anything they said or anything I said, we'd edit it out. I'm doing this as a way to help teachers, coaches, administrators, and even board members all around the state of Texas that care to listen. While I have about a dozen or so uh, more to get to this summer, I'm wide open for suggestions of who I should cover. If you know an educator that would be a great interview and will take this opportunity, I assure you we can record a podcast that not not only benefits coaches around the state, but gives his or her children or grandchildren a great way to go back and listen to their loved one talk about their career. If the person slips and says something that they don't want published, or even after the fact asks if I can pull a certain section, I'll do it without hesitation. That's a guarantee. Again, I'm a coach, an educator, not a reporter. So please send an email to taillightspodcast at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-E-L-I-G-H-T-S podcast at gmail.com and hook me up with some people that you'd like to hear from. Thanks again for downloading, subscribing, or just listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast and find it to be an enlightening discussion that brings one or two things in the mix in your life that could be of benefit to you and the kids you serve. Do you have a question you'd like to ask either individual I've interviewed? Send me an email and I'll look at uh, doing a follow-up interview with them at some point and include your questions. I know as I've listened to both, I've thought to myself, I should have asked this or I should have asked that. This podcast is going to uh, be a lot better with participation from the audience which is you. So please don't be shy. If you have someone all the way out in the panhandle, I imagine I can convince my very generous cousins, Jonna and Steven, special shout out to them for watching my old hound dog, Millie, during the trip that brought you both of these podcasts. I'm sure I can ask if they'll watch Millie while I take the long road trip in July, and I hope they say yes, and maybe make a a long trip that produces another great podcast. 
I want to thank one last time both Coach Bluda and Coach Williamson for inviting me into their homes and letting us all look into their lives for a few hours. These two men have done so much over the years for kids, and when you, ha uh, when you hear these interviews, it'll be clear to you all that kids have done uh, for, for both of these individuals as well. If you're a potential person that would like to be interviewed or family member of someone uh, that puts me in touch, listen, I understand if you don't want a man with a mullet coming to your house. I can visit with you on the phone and walk you through the process of how we can easily record this uh, without me having to come to your house. We can do it um, even in multiple segments, 10 to 30 minute periods over the phone. It's not an issue. I have all the equipment to do it. All you need is a smartphone. Easy for a man with a flip phone to say, but I link to you with my iPad and we go right to recording. It's an extremely simple process that will require you to download one app at a cost of zero dollars. So if you don't want your neighbors wondering who the mullet man is that just walked in your house, or you have a lot of spring cleaning to do and you just don't want anyone in your house because you haven't done it, it's not a problem. We can still get this done. Enjoy both episodes, everyone, and know that more will be on the way shortly. Look for several more episodes coming in June or sooner. Thanks again for listening. Now, let's go on inside and sit down with Coach for a bit and find out what it's all really about. I have the distinct honor of sitting at the kitchen table of legendary high school football coach Mike Williamson, the former head coach and athletic director of the Bandera Bulldogs from 1993 until 2002. Coach Williamson was twice selected the San Antonio Express News Area Coach of the Year during his time in Bandera. Coach Williamson won more than 140 games as a Texas high school football coach with head coaching stints in Pearsall, El Dorado, Divine, Laredo United, Uvalde, and Bandera, where his career culminated in a double overtime win in the state championship game against Midland Greenwood. One of the biggest feathers I noticed in my research leading into this podcast was that in the span of time from 1985 all the way until this past season of 2018, the Corpus Christi Cal Allen Wildcats have advanced beyond the level of by-district play, with the exception of one time. That one by-district loss Coach Danaher and the Wildcats suffered came in a major upset back in 1989 against the Coyotes of Uvalde, coached by the man I'm sitting across from this morning, Mike Williamson. Upon retirement, Coach Williamson was asked by the San Antonio officials to be the keynote speaker at their annual convention, and at the time, he was only the second head football coach to ever receive this honor. D.W. Rutledge being the other. Coach, I begin every interview with a question that intends to allow our listeners the opportunity to peek all the way back to your roots. Where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Well, let me say first, Eric, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come and, and uh, visit with me today. Uh, I'm Originally, I'm from Crystal City, Texas. I, I was born there, grew up there, went all the way through school there. Uh, I had I had a great influence on, on sports for me there because it was offered. And I, I got I had an opportunity to play football, basketball, baseball, run on the track team, do all that, and that always interested me. And uh, I was I'm always grateful, even though we never had any success really, so to speak, while I was in high school. I was grateful for the fact that they were. It was there, it was offered, and I had a chance to participate. Uh, my mom and dad had moved to Crystal City a year before I was born, so that meant they moved there in 1947, and uh, they're both buried in Crystal City today. They live 
there for over 60 years. Wow. And uh, so that that's home to me. Yes, sir. Okay. What did they do there? Uh, mom was a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. uh, she later uh, taught at a kindergarten at, at a church there for after school as well after I was out of there. And my father was a uh, civil service worker. He worked for Soil Conservation Service government down mm -hmm. there, and he surveyed and did all the you know for all the farming and ranching that went on in the Winter Garden down there. And the uh, my older brother, I have one brother, Ron Williamson. He lives in Kerrville now. Uh, he is a retired pharmacist, and we both received, I thought, what was a, a good education while, while we were there. And, uh, but for me in particular, uh, I was so interested in sports, but it was all available for me to try and participate if I wanted to. So I'm what, grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? Uh, it was probably when I was playing football at Texas A&I University. And and getting going into my senior year, I had I had really I really loved it down in Kingsville, uh, and I loved playing there. And it didn't it didn't hurt that we were national champions too. So that you know that that was a, a bonus. But I had good relationships with coaching staff and with the trainer down there, meaning that we could visit when we weren't actively involved in this. And and I. I, I didn't have a very good uh, opinion of coaches and stuff like that through high school. Like I said, the, we, we never really had success, and that wasn't something that was on my mind, but playing the sport was always on my mind. And then when, uh, when I was down in Kingsville, like I said, going into my senior year, I had conversations with uh, Pete Murray. He was our offensive line coach, uh, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. and conversations with uh, the trainer and they both were asking me you know what, what I was thinking about doing past college and everything and we had some good talks and uh, they pretty much kind of pointed me in education and toward well I was in education as far as taking educational courses for certification but they kind of pushed me they said you know Mike, you've got a you got a way of getting along with people and this, that, and the other, and uh, uh, they thought I might do pretty good in the coaching profession, and so uh, that's what I did. It, it was really, and that that formed a lot of my early and, and playing for Gil Stanky, who was oh man, you know he was national coach of the year, all this stuff, one, two, or three or four national championships down there. And Coach Stanky was, uh, you could actually have some conversations with him that weren't involved with, you know, your performance or, or you know, where you, what you were doing for the team and this, that, and the other. And it, likewise with the other coaches. And I've talked to several of the guys that I've played with over the years. Matter of fact, one just last week, we were talking about that. And we were both reflecting on how uh, how lucky we were that we had coaches that we could just sit and visit with and talk about anything 
and uh, it, it meant a lot to us. So. For, for some of our younger listeners that don't know where Texas A&I is, what's that name you don't say if you're someone like uh, yourself or my dad that went to A&I? What is it today? Today, today it's Texas A&M Kingsville. Oh, I, I hate to make you do it, but I just thought yeah, I'd throw well, it out there. I, so. I, I, I know, but uh, <laughs> it, it, that was... That was an exciting time in my life. I, I really, I've, I've told people this before, I, I never regretted a day being down there. And that wasn't, it, like, that wasn't the way it was for me coming straight out of high school. Out of high school, I went to the University of Houston at, at, to play football. I was recruited for football. And uh, I went down there and just, totally did not like it at all and that was back in the days where you had uh, you could only the freshmen could only play on freshman teams they that was just the rule back in those days so I was on the freshman team down there at U of H and just I I, I did not like living there I didn't uh, the coaches were not like what I had just described to you there to, uh, you know, it's sort of the, you're just a piece of meat type of thing down there. I did not like that at all. And there I was, I was the leading rusher, leading scorer, and second leading pass receiver on the freshman team. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never will forget, we finished our last ball game and the head coach at that time down there was Bill Yeoman. And uh, we had beaten a real good junior college team. Uh, matter of fact, the, I think they even won the JC, but we'd beaten them that, that night, our last freshman game. And uh, he met me in midfield and walked me, walked with me all the way to the sidelines, his arm all around me and telling me what a good cougar I was gonna be and this, that, and the other. And in my head, I'm going, no, no. There, there was only one, there was only one coach on that entire staff down there that I, you know, kind of liked and felt decent about it. That's Bum Phillips. He was the he was the defensive coordinator, and I didn't. Of course, I wasn't. I was offensive guy, but I actually had a few conversations with him and and felt felt pretty good about it. But to have that experience there and then go to Texas A and I in Kingsville and expecting probably some of the same out of the coaches and got something totally different. So that had a uh, that had a good way of, I mean that that was telling me, hey, you know, you can be a human being and actually be a coach, mm -hmm. and and you can be in it for the right reasons, you know, and and seeing and working with young people, and giving them guidance, giving them some direction other than just what are you doing for us on Saturday afternoon, and that had a lot to do with why. Absolutely. I became a coach. Uh, particular key influences that you maybe didn't mention in terms of getting into coaching? Any? Uh, besides the men, at, at the coaches at, at Texas A&I, uh, no, they, they pretty much did. And a reason why I pursued coaching, though, was it goes all the way back to what I stated about Crystal City where I got to play football, basketball, baseball, run on the track team. Uh, those were things I enjoyed, and I got to thinking. I, I thought this years later, though. You know, if someone wasn't there to provide 
some leadership, some guidance or coaching, if you want to put it that way, I wouldn't have had an opportunity to do those things I love to do. And so I decided uh, just right out of right out of college to go ahead and get into coaching and see what see what I could do. Yeah, absolutely. I had a history teacher in high school that was pretty bad and and I had many others that were decent, you know, really good, you know, on that spectrum. And that made me want to be uh, a teacher in a lot of ways was because you have so many people that are in that profession that are not good and it's and it's such interesting and important stuff, you know, it's uh that I would say that that sounds kind of like what pushed it for you as well. You enjoyed those sports and didn't always have someone that, you know, you know, maybe was encouraging or, or knew enough about it or, you know, a variety of different possibilities there. And so you, when you see the good, you know what the good can do. It, it, exactly. And uh, they showed me that, uh, that, you know, you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. You can make a difference with kids and you can do it through sports. And I, I had to learn going on in, going right out in, into coaching and teaching and coaching that uh, my ability to teach is something that I had to learn every, just every day. And, and I found that uh, that first, my first year, it was, uh, it was rather difficult. I think we're gonna talk about that in a minute. I'll save it for that. That was my next one. 1970 comes around, the fun of college is over. Uh, now it's time to go on and start the teaching and coaching career in Orange Grove. Okay, so here we go. Why Orange Grove? Well, Orange Grove is a, is a little community. Can, can you tell our our listeners real quick how much did they pay you oh. for your first job? <laughs> <laughs> did they pay yeah, you? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, I never will forget that. Uh, you know, I went to Orange Grove for reason why I went to Orange Grove is for one reason. We had, and, and I'll get to the pay in just a second. We there was uh, they just turned over a new head coach and he was uh, an assistant coach in Sinton and he had gotten the head job there and I had some uh, relatives in Sinton that was involved in education all and they just thought he was a wonderful guy and maybe you know he was looking for assistant coach over in uh, in Orange Grove and so I went and talked to him and uh, Got got the job, and then when I, I found out what it was, it, there was three coaches: as a head coach, had this assistant coach that had been there for a few years, and me, the rookie. It was all three of us, and we coached it all. And I wound up coaching uh, a bunch of it. So here we go, pay. I, you know, I I was I needed some money because coming out of college, you didn't have any, and I needed to go earn some, and. I was driving a bus in the morning. Uh, like a bus route with, oh, yeah. with children? Okay. okay. So I, I drove a morning bus route because you're going to get paid a little extra for mm -hmm. that. See, So anyway, so here we go. Going in, I have no money in my pocket. We do all of two-a-days. All those days of two-a-days. School starts. I drive the morning bus route and teach classes all the way through the day except for last period, which was athletic period, go to athletics and then coach till dark and into the night and going to all the games and everything. And you know, as it is in education, you don't get paid but once a month. Right. So I'd been doing all that just hours upon hours upon hours. Then I finally got my first paycheck 
and I'll remember it to this day. I opened it up and I looked at it and said, man, I, you know, I mean, I'm getting paid for not only teaching, but I'm getting paid for driving the bus in the morning. I'm getting paid so extra for coaching out there. And I pulled it out and I look at it and my take home pay was $398. <laughs> Three hundred. Wow. Yeah. Three hundred ninety-eight dollars after all of that, and uh, I think I'm. What was your rent? I mean, did you rent a place in Orange Grove, or did you? I did. I, I rented a house there, and you have to say, and it wasn't much of one, mm -hmm. but it was. Uh, it was only seventy-five dollars a month. Okay. So. Just trying to put that on a proportionate scale for get, our listeners that are educators that maybe think, "Wow, I'm getting paid great. I make three thousand a month." But if they're, you know, paying a thousand in rent, exactly proportionally, that's not better than making three hundred ninety-eight a month and paying seventy-five in rent. I just well, that's back in the old days too, and the, this had some white trim around this old house, and it was all the paint at all, and we'd gone through a hurricane there, and uh, the paint was kind of chipped and stuff, and so. One afternoon, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go, it's white. I'm going to go get some white paint, and I'm just going to paint, because the trim at the top is a flat roof. was about 12 inches or so wide. And so I'm out there, and I'm, I'm painting that, and it really made the place look better, you know, mm -hmm. by, by painting all, all that white trim all the way around the house. Well, my landlord drove up while I was out there painting. I had to ask him. Yeah. You know, I, I just thought, well, you know, it needs painting. Improvement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm out there doing that, and he stopped, and I went over to his, I crawled off my ladder and went over to his car, and he said, that looks pretty good up there. And I said, well, thank you. I forget what his name was. Thank you. And I said, I just thought it, it could use a coat of paint. And he said, yeah, it looks real good. So tell you what, you don't have to pay me any rent this month. And I went, well, thank you, sir. Sometimes doing the right thing just because it needs to be done pays off. It pays off. Yeah. And little lessons you learn. Yeah. And it's funny, I just thought about that right now as, as, we're, as we're talking mm -hmm. that did that. But anyway, uh, it was quite an experience there in Orange mm -hmm. Grove, besides making less than 400 a month, uh, coaching every single, you know, you coached every day, all day long, or all, all year long. And, uh, how many sports did they have there at that time? At that time, we had, uh, as far as the boys were concerned, we had, this was uh, pre-Title IX days, mm -hmm. we had uh, boys, uh, well, football and junior high football, high school and junior high football, and we had high school and junior high basketball. We had track. Didn't even have a baseball team at that time down there. Mm -hmm. Although there was a lot of people wanting it, but there they weren't, uh, they didn't have it yet. They, they weren't playing baseball, which bothered me a little bit because baseball was one of my, that's probably my favorite sport of all. Mm -hmm. And uh, it bothered me a little bit because I wasn't going to have a chance to coach some baseball mm -hmm. because they didn't have a team. So I had to coach track. And uh, I was the track coach, junior high and high school uh, by myself. Uh, I was the, the track coach. and. Uh, it taught me, uh, it, it really, that helped me a lot. I, I've, I found out that, hey, you know, I, I kind of like track as far as the coaching end of it goes. And I'd always been, <coughs> think, I always thought of myself more as a, 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 a team kind of sport as far as, you know, football, basketball, baseball, stuff like that. But uh, 
I really enjoyed, I enjoyed coaching that track team, all of them down there mm -hmm. doing that. Learned some lessons, learned a lot. But what I did learn was uh, I, I, I did not really appreciate the head coach from a standpoint, it's not that I didn't like him or anything like that, it was nothing personal. Mm -hmm. uh, and he didn't do anything personal to me, but everything that I was attempting to do, he was always kind of overriding that. He would, you know, he would go, what are you gonna do, you know? And I'm going, man, if I'm gonna be out there and spend all the time doing it, I need, I need to say in what, you know, the outcome of what we do. Well, that didn't, that didn't work too well. And so I made a decision that if this is what coaching is, I just don't know if I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, it was the only, my very first experience is what we was doing. That's a pretty common feeling a lot of coaches get, you know, especially if they're not in necessarily the right place, you know, uh, at any given time, I think, in their career. Mm -hmm. And so I made a decision. First off, I had, well, I sit there and tell you, made decisions. You know, one of the biggest things that I found over all the years about doing what we do is decisions that we make and teaching kids the difference between making a right decision and a wrong decision about things. And I know that personally with, with my own children, I'll, I, I've constantly found myself asking them, now, it's your decision to make. Are you going to make a good decision or are you going to make a bad decision? And it's your decision to make. Mm -hmm. And some people naturally make good decisions, but some people naturally make bad decisions all, constantly all the time. And I think you know what I'm talking about. You, you see people that they just don't make, it's not that they're bad people or anything like that. They just don't make good decisions on what they do with their life. And I was fortunate enough early on to understand that it was the, the decisions that I was gonna make. Well, at that time, I had a decision whether I was going to get out of education and coaching because what I was doing that year was not what I thought it would be or what I wanted it to be. And I was thinking about going uh, applying and going back in. I had worked several summers for the uh, highway department, Texas Department of uh, Highway Department. And I was thinking about maybe, and I liked doing that. I liked, I worked with engineers and I, I enjoyed doing that kind of stuff. And my father was with the survey and stuff and all this stuff. I was thinking about maybe leaving, quitting coaching, it was just year one, mm -hmm. and getting into that. But then I got a call from Alice, Texas. Uh, I guess when word went out that I had, I had told the head coach I wasn't gonna come back and coach there the next year. I got a call from Alice and the head coach over at Alice was Spike Dykes. Mm -hmm. and, and at that time, uh, he was the head coach at Alice High School. And for our listeners that don't know, he goes on to be Texas Tech head coach. Right, and I mean, if there's anything else you want to add, that's uh, that's well, the extent of what I know. But some people may not be familiar with that name if they're. Well, he he was pretty much a legend. Right. Uh, even in high school mm -hmm. circles, he at that time, but he went on and like I said, he became he was assistant coach at uh, 
University of Texas for a while, and then he went on to Texas Tech. And head coach out there for a lot of years, very successful man, can tell a story like no one else, you know, really good about that. Never will forget he crawls up on, on a desk at one clinic, I'm listening to him talking. He doesn't, he doesn't stand up or anything behind the phone. He goes out and sits on this little desk out in front, and he looks out and says, you know, some of you guys, I hear high school coaches all the time complaining about how little you get paid, you know. You work all those hours, you don't make any money. He said, but you know, I'm looking at you guys out there and I don't see a one of you that missed a meal yet. And, and I never will forget that. And, and, and he was right about that. Anyway, he, he, he called me up and I went over to Alice and visited with him. Well then, lo and behold, I got a phone call from the coach at Creedle Springs, Texas. And he was looking for an assistant coach and, and he gave me a call. So I went and I visited with him. I visited with Coach Dykes about what he was offered there. I went and visited with the coach at Creasel Springs. And for me, that was good because it's close, Crystal City right there. And I, uh, <laughs> for some reason, I'd heard that Pearsall was looking for coaches and uh, uh, that they had a new coach and, and he was trying to, to hire. So, so I, I contacted him and set up a time to go down and talk to him. And his name is Frank Trevino. And I went and spent a Saturday with him. And he had two positions. He had a varsity position, varsity coaching position, not a head coach of a sport, but varsity football and assistant basketball, whatever. And he also had a junior high job. And uh, Open it. So we visited the whole day, and at the end of the day, uh, I was fixing to leave, and, and I looked at him, and I said, he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, Coach Trevino, here's what I think. I said, if you would offer it to me, I would take the junior high job. And he, and he looked at me, he got a puzzled look on his face and said, you know, I'm ready to hire you as, you know, uh, a varsity assistant. And I said, yes, sir. I said, but I will, I will take the junior high job if you can make one promise to me. And he said, well, what, what's that? And I said, let me do my own work. Hmm. Let me do it. Now, I know I'm going to need to ask questions and this, that, and other, but let me do the job. That was the biggest thing that I had at Orange Grove, I was not allowed really to do the job. And he said, uh, no problem. I said, that's great. And so I went back to Alice. Well, I got on the phone and I called the coach at Creasel Springs and turned it down. He was kind of mad at me. But I did that one over the telephone because I didn't want to drive back all the way over there. But being how it's real close to Alice, I'd drive in person. I'd drive over and go into Coach Dykes' office. Tell Coach Dykes, I appreciate, you know, everything that, that, that you offered me. And, uh, but I've decided I'm going to go coach junior high in Pearsall, Texas. Mm -hmm. And he had a very strange look on his face. But I was... Turned and then I and I did it pretty quick. I said, "Yeah, Coach X, I'm going to go." <laughs> and I turned around real quick and I was getting out the door. And I got to the door and, and he stopped me. 
and he said uh, he said that uh, said Mike do you ever think you're going to be a head coach one day and I said just offhand I said yes sir I, I do coach Doc and he said well let me give you some advice I said you'll never make head coach coaching at junior high okay thank you and left and I went and took that junior high job the next time I saw coach Dykes he walked into uh, my office in Pearsall and I was the head coach mm -hmm. that's the next time I saw him he knocks on the door and comes into my office there because he was recruiting yeah. for the University of Texas he was recruiting one of my tight end that I had down there in Pearsall and he, he he grinned and said, I said, well, Coach Dykes, I made it anyway. I mean, right or wrong, <laughs> I did. So that was pretty much uh, how I got to Pearsall. Pearsall was a, a wonderful opportunity for me. First off, it uh, I got to take care of the entire program, and we had uh, – uh, there was a seventh grade coach and an eighth grade coach and the way they set the day up down there they had uh, first period in the morning was seventh grade athletics so we would bring the kids in a little bit early and then but get them out mm -hmm. through first period and at the end of the day or the last period of the day was eighth grade athletics well I went in of course and I was helping the seventh grade coach and because we were going, you know, both of us together, and we were coaching seventh graders up to that point. Then I taught classes straight through because first period was my conference period. So that I was, but I was coaching with coach, and I taught classes straight through the day, and then last period picked up athletics. Well, that was his conference period, so he was helping me with eighth graders last period, and then for a while after school every day. But I was allowed to do the whole thing. I had to do it, I mean, I asked for it, but I did it all from from everything, from equip, from anything you can think of that you had to do in coaching, from, and I had, I got to know where, because I had to make sure we had our buses for whenever we, wherever we were going, so I was in communication with the transportation department, and always doing that. Maintenance department, on working with those guys uh, you know I'm doing the laundry all of our, our kids stuff doing it all and I'm working a straight day every day with no break no conference and starting at about 6:45 every morning 6:30 when I got there mm. you know and all the way through the and I I did that non-stop because I went straight from football to basketball doing the same thing from basketball into track there at the at the junior high and did that the whole thing and I did that four years running I'm doing that all day long and loving it. Yeah. And loving it. And, you know, you're asking me when, when did, questions like, when did I really, did? well, going into that second year, the big thing around the, 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 uh, the people or in the school there at, at, in Pearsall was they would go, Mike, you need to get your master's degree. You know, you need to get your master's. You need to get your master's. And I go, why? <laughs> why do I need to? Why do I need it? Oh, you just got to. And I'm being pushed, and I was being pushed and pushed and pushed. So that second summer, I enrolled, you could go to Uvalde. There was junior college over in Uvalde that Sol Ross had an mm -hmm. extension, and they offered uh, graduate courses. And so 
that second summer, I, I, I wind up, not because I wanted to go do it, because hey, you gotta do it, you got everybody's telling you, pushing you from every this, this direction and the other. And I'm going, you know, I don't wanna be a principal, but boy, that's all it doesn't matter. You need your masters, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I never will forget sitting in that first class over there. I'm sitting there and the professor, he's going on about whatever it was that it was. And you know, people are taking notes and, and doing all this, so I have mine out and I'm sitting there drawing X's and O's and I'm thinking about the kiddos because I'd coached all those seventh graders too, so I knew who was coming into the eighth grade, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying, because you, you knew the kids. And so I'm going, you know, I think I'm gonna put old Larry, uh, I'm gonna put him at this, you know, you know, and Joe, I'm gonna put him over here, Brad, who Brad Wright, wow. Anyway, uh, what a kid. That I'm sitting there doing that, and that's all I could think about. So I did finish that. I did that one semester there in the summer, and the the next summer, I'm still coaching junior high there, and we're having a lot of success. I'm I'm really pleased with the kids, and the I, I sign up for for that, and and I go the first day over there, and I go sit down, and I listen to that professor. And after the class was over, I went over to the registrar's office where I had written my check, you know, to put it in. And I asked the, went in and asked the secretary, I said, hey, you know, that my, my, can I see my check that, you know? I said, sure. So, you know, I told her, well, she goes, so they, you know, they hadn't done anything with me yet. She, she, pulled it, she pulls it out and hands it to me, and I just ripped it up. I said, no offense, ma'am, but I don't want to do this. I walked out, out the door. And there were two ladies that taught at the junior high there in Pearsall with me. They were, you know, out on the campus there, you know, and they said, hey, Mike, what, what you doing? I said, I'm going home. I said, I want to be a coach. They're not teaching me, any, they're not teaching me anything about coaching here. Mm. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And I just knew it. So I, dro I drove home and I, did. I was so glad when I worked here uh, at the middle school, I did my master's online through Lamar. Uh -huh. And so everything is just like, you know, the curriculum. It's not listening to a professor just, you know, go on and on about, you know, this right. experience or that, which can be beneficial. But you can talk to people, you know, within education that have a master's degree or above that and, and that are more appealing to you. And you can get those stories and you can learn more from those than you can sometimes sit in a room with a professor. And so... I, I would never have gotten mine, I don't think, if I had to, you know, leave my, that, that was a Sunday activity for me, I guess you could say, after I got all my teaching and coaching done. There's no way I would have put coaching to, you know, the side or felt right. like my mind's supposed to be working on coaching, similar to like yours was with the, the notebook there. And yeah, yeah uh, that's it. And, and I eventually did get a master's. I got a master's degree in coaching, mm. my own. <laughs> Nice. My own. I, everything, everything that, that uh, everything that I put in, extra energies that I put into anything, I was putting it in on how can, how can we make things better, and Pearsall pay from a standpoint of. I coached those four years there, and after four years, uh, the uh, Frank was gone after three years, and the fourth year they hired a new head coach in there and of course I was still at the junior high and I uh, I had 
I had, well, it, actually it was my junior high principal had come to me and he told me, he said, Mike, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And, and I said, you know, actually I see, I see myself uh, being a head, head coach in high school because I, by then I was teetotally hooked on coaching. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed all the, every, even though it was working all the time, but I really enjoyed that because you could actually see some results of what you were doing. You got immediate feedback from what you were teaching. When, when you take kids out on the football field, basketball, whatever, you can see immediate results of, of what you have been working on and doing with kids. And of course, everybody in town can see it too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it, it puts a little pressure on you. So you wanna be good. You know, you wanna make sure you're teaching those kids correctly so that they have an opportunity. And I'm learning this all at that time. And, and so I, I told the principal, he said, you need to apply for the job here. And I said, you know, I, I still didn't know any, any really a lot of things about things. The, uh, I made this remark to him. I said, well, they know where I'm at. Why should I have to apply? I'm right here. You mm -hmm. know, no, you've got to apply for the job. And I said, okay. I, you know, I mean, that was just the principal telling me. Right. I hadn't had any other mm -hmm. thoughts. Well, I had, yeah, I had been going out and applying for head jobs and going in and interviewing with, with superintendents, well, the ones that would give me an interview. Most of the time, I didn't even get an interview because you're just a junior high coach. Right. And But some, I did get some interviews, and I, of course, I did not get, Orange Grove had called me up, and I went back down there, and uh, and did the paint still look good on the house? Yeah, yeah. I drove by. It still looked real good. Good. And but they didn't hire me. Uh -huh. I, but they had actually called me to apply for the job, mm -hmm. and, and I did. And but they didn't hire me at that time. So uh, I applied for the job and and didn't get it. Mm -hmm. They hired uh, Mike Honeycutt, who who's Mike was a. a he was on Coach Gustafson's staff at Uvalde when they won the state championship, and mm -hmm. he uh, gone on with with them to over uh, what school in North Churchill, or I believe it's where they went from there. Uh, and he was involved in all that. Well, they they hired Mike Honeycutt, and uh, lo and behold, <laughs> and this is true story. Uh, Mike came in and and. Uh, no, I got to back up. I got, I've got to back up. They hired. They didn't hire Mike Honeycutt during that. They hired Harold Hill out of Frisco, Texas, for the head job. And Harold came in, and he actually got rid of several of the coaches that were on, on the staff there on Frank's staff. And when it came down to me and this other coach, he. Uh, he called me in and he said, Mike said, I'd, I'd like for you to stay on here. He said, you know, you know, come over here to high school and coach with us here. And I turned him down again. I said, no, I think that I'd probably do a better job coaching, staying at the junior high mm -hmm. and coaching over here. And he, and I said, by the way, coach, we're going to need a seventh grade coach because, you know, he's gone. That guy's gone. He said, yeah. And uh, he said, why don't you work on that? So there's my first experience of going out. I had to work on, if I, if I was gonna have, if it was gonna be two of us coaching <laughs> and not just me, uh, I was gonna have to go find 
a coach, and uh, that was my first experience at, at doing that. And I had noticed there was a, a, a science teacher in the junior high there by the name of James Stone. James was about my age. He's from Dilly, which was just down the road there. And, and But he, he didn't coach anything or anything. He was just teaching that. But he had played sports at Dilly, growing up football. But he, he was, had done all that. And we'd had a lot of good conversations and went around campus there. And anyway, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go see if James would be interested in taking that seventh grade position. And so I go talk to him. And he says, well, yeah, you know, Mike said, I, I, I always kind of thought I'd like to give a, try my hand at coaching a little bit. He said, but I don't know anything about it. Hmm. I said, don't worry, James, I'll teach you everything you have to know. <laughs> yeah. I would, man, what a great guy to work with as a coach. He took the job and we did that, that fourth year that I was there was, and James Stone was working with me and that, it was great work through that. Then Harold left Pearsall after one year because mm -hmm. the politics was eating them up big time down there. Mm. And politics were, were, were horrible. And if, that's... Then, if you read the papers sometimes you still see, you know, politics down in that area oh, it, can it, be it, uh, yeah. real detrimental it seems like to any level of consistency in that place. And, and all it does as far as Athletics is concerned and stuff. It's it just it just sets them back. They don't realize that, but it, it just really doesn't give their kids a chance. Right. It really doesn't. But they can't see that. Right. But so this that's when they hired. Uh, that's when the, the that's when the principal had come to me and asked me, and and I applied and, and I actually interviewed, but they hired Mike Honeycutt. And Mike Honeycutt came in there the 1st of April. And after a couple of weeks of being there, and I knew Mike and had talked to him, but I, I was telling him the same thing that I said, Coach Honeycutt, I'm applying for other, you know, other jobs. I said, but if I don't get anything, I, I would hope that you would just keep me right here at the junior high. <coughs> and he, of course he said, sure, you know, that, that was no problem at all. And so he had been there for about two weeks and he came into my little old equipment room. That was my office in that, in that old junior high locker room over there. And he came into that old equipment room and he says, Mike, I need to ask you a question. Sure, Coach Honeycutt, what's on? He says, are these people always this crazy here? Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, yes, sir. <laughs> they pretty much are. What, what you're saying is pretty much the way it is all, all the time. And two weeks later, he was gone. Hmm. He stayed there one month, and he he was out of there. He he wasn't gonna put up with that. He got him another. He got a job in San Antonio, Jefferson High School, I think, and went on. And, and boy, the people around Pearsall they were really upset about that, you know, because here they go. They had these two coaches that they had in there. Both of them said, "See ya." Yeah. You know, we're out of here. We're out of here. So uh it was at the end of April when he did that and I was outside where I was living there in Pearsall outside working on doing something fooling around the yard and, and a, a board member drove up to my house and said Mike I need to talk to you yes sir what's up he said well you know coach Honeycutt left I said yes sir I'm very aware of that he said and you could tell he was really upset you know because he, he's the president of the board he, he was really upset about that but he said 
said, would you still be interested in the job? I said, well, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, I would. And he said, well, we're having a board meeting tonight, you know, and I, I would like, you know, finalizing out all, all that other stuff. And I would like for you to uh, uh, come on up and we'll, we'll put it to the board and, and see what we do. I'll be there. So I go in to, it was a closed meeting, but the, when they called me in, I went in and they were discussing, does anybody have any questions for me before they, before they hired me? I said, yeah, uh, I can, because this is the question, I, I never will forget two things, I never will forget of that, this was a long time ago. One, one of the board members looked at me and said, do you really think you can handle high school boys because all you've done is coach junior high boys, can you handle those high school boys? Of course, they were all the kids <coughs> I'd been coaching anyhow. Right. And right. I, the yeah. seniors at that point are going to be the first group of eighth graders you worked with, and then exactly. the juniors are those seventh graders. And so, this is kind of a—I mean, in my opinion, it would be an advantage. It was a big advantage, right? And I said, "Yes, sir, I can do it." And I never will forget. They all voted, you know, boom, boom. Okay, well, you know, well, you—you've got. I'm, I'm standing in the room. You know, you've got the job. And then the last thing they asked was, "How much were we paying?" Uh, uh, coach the, Honeycutt, the previous coach, mm -hmm. and I forget what the number was. It was something like two thousand. Uh, no, it was like three thousand above, and back then above meant above state base. Right, three thousand above state base. And when I was principal at Menard, we paid state base still, like just last year. So I totally get that you understand that term because people will say how much above state base. And I said, nah, well. <laughs> How much you want to coach? Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, a, no lie. But yes, sir. But for our listeners, that's a good and thing for them to understand. If they so don't. it was state base, and my at that time I I had uh, four or five years in. So whatever your state base pay for five years was is that, and they were paying three thousand for the head coaching position, and so somebody said three thousand, and so he said, well, we'll give you fifteen hundred. They paid me fifty. They, they meet right there in front. I mean, I'm standing in the room. So, <clears throat> young, I looked down and said, "Well, that's fine." I said, "Sure." They said, "Well, you still accept it?" I said, "Sure." Well, you know, that was a whole six hundred dollar raise for me. Yeah, I was making nine hundred above what I'd been doing. So that that was a six hundred dollar <coughs> six hundred dollar raise mm -hmm. for the year. Fifty dollars a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a whole fifty dollars a month. Now yeah. you're going to assume all the time. I said, but I want to tell you one thing right now. I'm going to accept that. I said, but after we win next year, I want the three thousand above like you were giving. There it is. And, Boom. And of course, they kind of smirked about that a little bit and everything. You know, yeah, sure. You know, this guy. We we just have to have a coach. They're in a pickle and they're getting exactly. to this young guy that they're planning to do what they. Yeah, exactly. Have done over the years. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So that's how I got my first head job, and so went in, and uh, next day I I went over to my junior high principal, and I said, "Well, I got the job. What should I do?" And he said, "Well, go on over to high school. You don't need to be over here." And I said, "Yeah, but what about you know classes?" There? Coach Stone, I wasn't worried about the athletes because it was still what it went about three or four weeks of school left. That wasn't mm -hmm. that many weeks, maybe three. 
And uh, he could, you know, that, that was no problem. We'd already finished track and everything, so he could take care of the kids. And he said, no, I'll just go on, I'll, I'll cover you. He's going over to the high school. So I went over and walked in and, and uh, talked to the high school principal for a few minutes and went to work. You know, here we go. And uh, it was, it was an exciting time for me. We were uh, district champions back to back down there. And did did only uh, the district champion get into the playoffs at the time? That's only, only district. Boy, that that'll be a, a hard thing for some of our you know listeners that maybe didn't start following until you know the three teams were in and the four teams were in to wrap their brain around. Is no, one you, team gets in and the rest of you. Enjoy the long off season. <laughs> you, that's right. You had you had to, you had to be the district champion to get into the playoffs, and and I guess and, and I was proud of that fact. But what I was more proud of was the fact that uh, over those two years that we were district champions. Uh, I mean, yeah, district champions in football, basketball, track, and we came out second to Medina Valley. Medina Valley had good baseball. Mm -hmm. they, they were really good, but we were second to Medina Valley. So we were winning in every single sport across the board. And that's had always been the way I would like to see things done. You know, you, you, you need to, if you're gonna have a successful athletic program for the kids involved in that school, you know, you would like to see them have some success at what whatever it is that they want to play with. I mean, we were having success at all levels. and uh, That's the best feeling in the world, and that winning is so contagious. And, and our, like I said, we made the playoffs, but we lost in by district. We lost, uh, my first year we lost, Hondo was not in our district. We had played Hondo on a, in a non-district game in, that year and tied. 0-0, zero, zero, because both of us, were, both coaches too stubborn to try to kick a field goal. Mm. And we tie, wound up tying that, and it was a non-district game, but that's who, Hondo won their district, so that's who we wound up playing in by district was Hondo, and we played up at Northside Stadium. And uh, first opportunity either one of us got in that game, we kicked field goal. <laughs> 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 that was that was right. But we lost the game by, uh, by uh, what did we lose, by four points. But we, but we lost to Hondo in that ball game. Then the next year, we played Hayes Consolidated. Did they give you the raise between the two years since since you did win? You know, I don't even remember. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. I just know I was arrogant enough to ask ask for it, but. Uh, well, it sounded like you were competent enough to earn it as well. But I mean, that's just a, another perspective over here on this side. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I tell you one thing I did learn. Uh, back in those days, <clears throat> the. One of the few things that I had not had to take care of as junior was budget. Mm -hmm. I, I I was pretty much used to all the other stuff of, of with transportation, with all, you know, being an athletic director, doing all this. But they threw a loop. They threw me for a loop during that first year because Title IX had passed, and at that time, Pearsall girls were only they had a club volleyball team. Club it was mm -hmm. not, and and they were playing tennis. That's it. Mm. That's all. So, not only am I new to that, I'm told you're going to have volleyball. You got to get a volleyball team coach ready, a bat girls basketball. You know, you got to, you know, a girls track. We got to mm -hmm. start. And 
not only was that I had I had to initiate and start all of that. Your too. job gets doubled oh, in yeah. terms it, of what you're overseeing, it and it then did. all it, the recruitment that goes with that temporarily. Oh, it's man, maybe who's going to coach them? Yeah. Who's going to coach them? Where we're going to get uniforms? You know, right? You know, and, and budgets and, and all this stuff. But I'd gone into superintendent after that first year because I'd been doing my budget. And I knew it was good back in those days because I would actually physically write out the PO and hand it to the vendor. You know, we had copies, you know, and I'd pull my copy off, mm -hmm. give him a copy and a copy that goes to the business office, you know. I mean, DPO, I mean, it was, you know, they're paid off of that when they do. I mean, you know, and just hand right. And when I, I, boy, I had my ledgers and I kept up with almost, you know, what, what I did, where they were. So when it came out at the end of the year, I had about oh, $2,000 or so left in, in, in the budget. You know, which wasn't a whole lot, but hey, I felt good about that. We went through the whole, and we were in the playoffs and everything. Mm -hmm. We went to regional finals in our basketball. And, you know, and, and of course, they were all the little kiddos I'd go, you know, and I knew they were going to do, they were right. going to do good. And uh, he said, no, you don't. You don't have any money in there. I said, oh, wait a minute. I can add and subtract. You know, here's what it was. Here's all everything that it was. You know, that, and here's what's left over. He said, "No, I've already spent that money on something else." Hmm. So, okay. This is why coaches almost everywhere I've been have said, "Make sure you spend all your money before." Exactly. <laughs> much, yeah. Because if you have any left over, you're not going to have it. Yeah. And and you're not going to get any credit for that out in the community or anything else. Like nobody's going to know. Right. Now, if you go over your budget, there's going to be a lot of negative things that are going to be said about, you know, whenever anyone has a chance to bring up those kind of things. So, but anyway, I did that, but, and then we lost, the, the next year in football, we lost to uh, Hayes Consolidated by seven points up in Seguin. And so that's in 1976, right? Yeah. Okay. And we'd finish like eight and three that year. Mm -hmm. uh, we, I learned something then that that occurred over w with both of those games as far as playoffs go. I it's it every it's always a learning experience every year for a coach and hopefully hopefully you are remembering and repeating the things that you did correctly and and not doing the things that that you didn't do correctly. But we went. Uh, both of those games, this is this is something that I, I try to bring up to coaches, a lot of other young coaches and stuff like that. Uh, of course, we'd set our sights on being district champions. And that's exactly what we were. And we lost in, uh, in by district both of those years. And on the, the bus ride home, the kids were pretty happy, mm -hmm. that, you know. I mean, you know, you could actually hear there's a little joking going on on the back of the bus, you know, and the kids, one kid maybe whistling a little tune or something like that as you're driving home, driving down the road. And I'm sitting up front and I'm just, man, I mean, I am upset. Mm -hmm. I am upset. We did not accomplish, we did not win. And I'm really upset. Well, it took me a long time to realize that you gotta be careful about what you set your goals for and what you set your standards on. Uh, and and you got to know the game and, and where 
where it's going on that. And I, I was upset and angry with those kids, and I should have been celebrating with them because we had met our goal. We had achieved, which I learned later on, you know, I learned later on that, that when we did that, well, that's, we are gonna celebrate. But it, it taught me a big lesson. I didn't, I didn't realize that till later on. I didn't realize it at the time. At the time I was upset because we didn't, we, we didn't move on to the next round. And it, it really taught me a, a, a lot so you gotta be careful, you know, where you set your goals. Anyway. Do, do you think you should have set the goal higher? Do you think, you know, for like that year, looking back, I mean, cause if you set the goal to win district again and, and you didn't raise the bar, and so the kids are excited cause you know, they got to the playoffs and they lost. And I mean, do you feel like in hindsight that if you had set the bar, like you were upset because you felt like we should have won that game, right? Yeah, exactly. Do you think if you had set the maybe talked about getting getting onto that next step? We won district this first year. Let's get onto that next step. Let's go to the area playoffs or whatever round it would have been considered right. at that time. Is that? And yes, and and I learned too that a lot of the reason that I was the reason for some of us for us not having success from a standpoint of my coaching mm -hmm. uh, tactics and things we did. I tried to change some things. I tried to do some things, and that taught me too about things that that uh, that you need to do to be successful in the playoffs. You know, and in today's world, that's what it's all about. But of course, but they send everybody and their dogs to right. You know, into the into the playoffs. But you got to have strategies for that too. Which uh, Later on in my coaching career, I, I started understanding that and, and started and, and where we were setting our goals as what we was going to be. And the, the one of the hardest things uh, there is to work with on kids is this, if you want to be competitive in the playoffs, is you, you, you've really got to up your standards and you've really got to understand that you don't have to win district to get in into the playoffs. I mean that's just but that's just the way the system is now. Right. So it was to my advantage because I the my style of coaching was I wanted my kids to to continue on a on a weekly basis to improve some. Improve some. Improve some. Improve a little more. Then when we might have a, a, a a setback, we might lose a game in there, but that doesn't mean that we still can't be improving. But the big deal is work to, you know, you, you've got to do well enough to get in, but once you get in, are you prepared, are you prepared now to, to do the things necessary to keep advancing in it? Because it's a whole nother season now. It's, you know, it's three seasons now mm -hmm. for, for them. And, that is where I learned a lot. I learned a lot from those kids at Pearsall. Mm -hmm. you know, we're still in Pearsall, and I learned a lot from them. And what causes you to leave Pearsall? Okay, that'd be the next thing I'm going to. Superintendent, they still were kind of eh, politics in Pearsall was horrible, and. Uh, I was surviving all that anyway down there and 
the the board and especially the superintendent because the superintendent was the man that it was really uh, the the main guy that got in uh, that got rid of Coach Trevino, who I'd come in there to work who and I'll just put it say it like it is he was the main person to do that he was the main person that hired Harold Hill who came in and Harold had a big winning record up in Frisco, Texas and blah, blah, blah. And he brings him in there and oh boy, we're going to do good. And he leaves after, actually he didn't, he stayed there a semester. He left in about January mm-hmm. or so of that year. Yeah, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <coughs> and, uh, the, uh, and then he was the main guy of hiring, uh, my cut in there and then Michael leaves him in there. So he had egg all over his face. Mm-hmm. So then they, you know, they give the job to me and that was the board that was doing that. You know, the board just, just so that they could have someone to go and play. Fully expecting me probably to fall flat on my face as did a lot of coaches around in, in that area because of, hey, did you hear Pearsall hired a junior high coach for the head coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, a junior high coach, yeah. Our junior high coach. Oh, well, we are the well. Me and my little junior high boys did a pretty good job of shutting all that down. Mm-hmm. But so he had. So we had two very successful, very successful years, and we was fixing to have another one. <laughs> Nothing you can do about it. We're going to have another one. But I'm still young, and I still don't know. So superintendent comes over to visit with me one day, and he said he gets to saying, "Well, Mike, you know, you 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 probably want to consider, you know, another job somewhere." And I said, well, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Well, I said I don't think I'm going to recommend you to the board." <laughs> and those were one-year contracts back right. in those days. You know, just a one-year yeah. thing. And, and here you go. And because he had this buddy, that's come to find out, he had this buddy that was in the coaching. Uh, in in San Antonio that that really wanted to come down and get in on all the good stuff that was going on in Pearsall because we got Pearsall to the point down there where you know you don't want to put Pearsall on your non-district schedule you liable to get beat right and at the joint and it, and it just happened to be his butt so he goes and pulls his deal so he comes in and just tells me that I mean he was nice about it but he was going no you know I'm, I'm, he didn't say I'm gonna bring this guy in but he said you're you're not gonna be here remind me real quick what year did that superintendent get there I don't know he was superintendent when I came okay in. I just asked because you know sometimes uh in some of those roles, it's like if the superintendent's not real secure about things and is, you know, worried about, I guess, their relationship with the board and stuff and, and kind of hindering you because they don't understand what you're trying to do. It's almost like your first job where you want to have a little bit of creativity within your job. Exactly. And you've got someone that doesn't understand what you're doing and they're a roadblock almost to what you're trying to exactly. you know, become. Sometimes those insecure administrators can begin to create a real big problem for somebody that's actually bringing real success to the kids. And that goes on way more than people know. Oh yeah, <laughs> that goes on. Uh, that, that goes on a lot. Because a lot of the time, in, in a role like we have, you just gotta nod your head, submit your letter, 
you know, and go on down the road yeah. because you you want to find that opportunity where you can do what you know you're capable of. Hey, and, exactly. And, and so you don't want that opportunity, which is turned out now it's kind of being revealed it's not really much of an opportunity it's hit its ceiling and and now the fear is you know up in arms and so it's time to yep is that kind of how you felt yeah that's how i felt because you know if the man could do anything he wanted to do with my budget and this and that, he couldn't keep us from winning right because we did but anyway so naive and still young yet I just go home, write out my letter of resignation the next day, take it in and give it to them, you know, effective at the end of the school year, you know, because right. I stay on there, you know, until they they get another, or whatever time was left that. So uh, he's actually giving me a heads up so I get out and look for another job, basically what he was right. doing. He, he, he wasn't just that cold, but I mean, he, he told me they still had enough time. And so I just write out my letter of resignation and I get it's over with here but I had seen them what I'd seen them do to the other men at, that were there it was not unexpected right it was just unexpected from the standpoint of we were winning and everything you know mm -hmm. and uh, anyway that was neither here nor there I had to find a job I, right I needed to eat yeah <laughs> and uh, it was really strange. I had uh, going out and applying and, and uh, for jobs and stuff like that. I was, it's really, really strange back in those days. Uh, Lulian had come open. So, I mean, I'm really looking to see, you know, what's going on. Lulian had come open and I, I was uh, content in the fact that I wanted to continue to be a head coach. Mm -hmm. And so at Lulian, I, I applied over there and I was called in by the superintendent and I went over and spent. Uh, a, not a full day, about a half day, with just the superintendent. And uh, our time was about up, and I was fixing to go, and he reached in his desk drawer and pulled out a wad of keys and slid them across the desk to me. He said, you're hired. And what? I hadn't even had time to really kind of check out things and, you know, to, to see. And... Uh, you're hired and I took those keys and then I went around I looked at a few things and the next day I put them in, in a in the mail and I mailed them back to him. <laughs> uh, no when when you went into an interview like that had you usually talked to uh talk to your wife about if they offer the job you know uh are you are do you would you like to move there do you know would you want to go home and talk about it after the offer or would you know before you went went in that we're going to take this job a little of both a little of both sometimes it, it was kind of like well and, and I, there's I, some things i'm going to have to make her aware of right i mean that's exactly. a reasonable question is and, it not and it, it that's when a lot of decisions start coming into into play is it going to be uh, or is it going to be a right decision for you or is it going to be a wrong decision for you mm -hmm. you know and what you do so you mail the keys back to luling and uh, but you are going to leave Pearsall. how does el dorado come to be i had el dorado was one of the jobs at that time that that was open and i had applied for it and i uh had got an interview with uh, and it was just a superintendent and he was going to do the hiring uh interview with him and I went out and well I had to talk him into the interview let's put it like that I'm on the phone with him and he's going well I really wanted to hire somebody that was at least 30 years old how old are you at the time I, I was 29 
and and so I'm telling him, I'm saying, I'm telling him, look, I'm uh, I'm 29, I'm pretty pretty close to that over here. So anyway, so he agreed to interview me. So I go out and, and interview with him, and I look around, and I find the nicest, neatest, clean little old town out there. I'd never, I'd been to San Angelo a few times, but I'd never been really in El Dorado, and uh, I, I I just kind of fell in love. I just felt right when I was there. So. I go back home. He didn't. He didn't offer me the job or anything like that. I go back home, and then, then is then is when the Luling thing happened, and and I wind up mailing the keys back, and and I turned down uh, another job or two that I just didn't feel right about. But I really wanted the elevator job. I just felt good about mm -hmm. the the whole uh, thing going out there. So I get on the phone and I call up the superintendent, uh, and I say. Would you please give me this position? I said, I know I'm 29, but uh, you know, I really, I said, I loved everything I saw out there, and I really would like to be y'all's coach. And he said, his name was Guy Whitaker, and he said, Mr. Whitaker, I would really, I mean, that's the first time I've ever done that. I'm, I'm caught, but he was the one that was going to hire. He mm -hmm. didn't have to talk to anybody else. So he said, Well, you know what? you can have the job, it's yours. And I said, thank you very much, Mr. Whitaker. And so moved to El Dorado because I felt like, again, that that would be a good place. Found some wonderful kids, but they had been kind of shortchanged on, on their coaching stuff over the last couple of years and their program was in a little bit of disarray, but you couldn't take away the kid's spirit and everything. And so coached her that first year, and it, and it wasn't, we, we didn't have a lot of success. We had- Was a young Randy Morrison one of those kids? But I just, I know he went to El Dorado. He was a freshman that year. Okay, nice. And he was playing with us. I mean, yeah. we, we only had, we didn't have much of a JV of, of, of any sorts. Mm -hmm. And a very skinny little guy. Yeah. And <laughs> so, Anyway, I was excited because now at least we're going to get to go through off season or get good the rest of the year, you know, and get ready to go and do. And, and I tell this story. This is what I loved about it. There at El Dorado, we had uh, 107 kids in the high school at that time, 107. And we had more girls than we had boys. We had about, uh, I think there was like 47 boys out of that 107 were boys. And but we'd gone through the offset, blah, 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 and we got ready for the next year, and the very first day of two-a-days, I had 43 boys showed up for, for this is nine through 12, but I had 43 boys, and I was so excited because there was only just those one or two boys left in, in the school that weren't, in, you know, out yeah. there playing football, and we went through two-a-days, and I had 43 boys at every single practice and this was some of those old time two days where you did the early morning one and then you took a break you know you and then you came back late in the afternoon some people call that real two a day it was the real <laughs> it was the real two it was a real deal two a days on right. that thing and i had not one child miss one practice wow in two weeks and i was so excited about getting ready to by golly we're not going to be two and eight this year guys you know mm -hmm. i mean we, we were going randy marson what was a sophomore that year and i had gone up to him in the springtime because i was coaching him at track and i hugged him around the neck one day out there just while he's still a freshman but fixing to be a sophomore and i said randy marson can you take a snap 
He said, what do you mean, coach? I said, can you take a snap, son? I'm thinking about putting you in a quarterback position for us this next year. And uh, he goes and finds the kid that was the center, and he came back a couple of days and says, Coach, I can take a snap. I said, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You're yeah. going you're, you're to, you're gonna, uh, I'm going to put you at the quarterback position. And uh, anyhow, they did all that. I became ill. Mm-hmm. We were going to go scrimmage Sterling City at the end of two weeks or whatever the time is there where you go. And we had Sterling City down for a scrimmage, and I didn't even – I didn't make the bus. I, I, I couldn't. I went down with that Gambare syndrome, and I didn't see those kids again until the eighth ball game of that season. I was in the hospital in San Antonio all that time. Another one of those instances, though, occurred with those boys there when I knew that coaching is what I was doing. I was still in the uh, intensive care unit there, <coughs> there, and. Uh, it must have been open date or something because uh, just with the curtains, one, one, one Saturday, the, one of the nurses opened up the curtains there and they said, Mr. Williamson, we have, they don't bring up very many people in to see you in, in intensive care. I mean, your family, mm-hmm. yes, right, but right. Very, it's a very rare deal. When, you know, and they said, we have someone here we think you would like to see. And I really wasn't, didn't want to see people at that time because of the way yeah. I looked and the way, you know, but I said, that's it, fine. And it, came, and it was like five, six, or seven of my football players from El Dorado walked in there. Wow. And every, I was wired up to everything. Nurses had to come running in there because all my machines were going off. I was so happy to see those kids. Mm-hmm. But I felt so bad that I was letting them down because I couldn't do. I also got a phone call that they came over and set the phone down by my head one time and said, Mr. Williamson, we think you need to take this phone call. So they laid it down because, I mean, I couldn't hold the phone or anything. They laid it up by my ear and my mouth. And I heard on the other end said, Mike, what are you doing down? Get up out of there. And I just started crying because it's Coach Stanky, my college football coach. Mm-hmm. And I always got up. Yeah, I always got up, and he says, "You need to get up," you know. And I, I'm crying, and I, because I said, Coach Stanky, I can't, I can't get up. And I really appreciated that man giving me the call. I really appreciate him having my children on his knees a few years later, bouncing them at my house, sitting there, bouncing. There it is, a Hall of Fame coach, and he's sitting there with my my two two kids at that time on his knees and talking and his wife is sitting in there visiting with my wife and we're in my home in Uvalde, Texas. And there that man is in there. I'm sorry, I just had to throw that out. No, that's how I would think someone becomes a Hall of Fame coach. You have a, a, a true heart like that that causes you to do things of that nature that are like, seem to be way out of the ordinary, but they should be more ordinary. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. And so anyway, so I did get back to, you know, but I was in a wheelchair and this, that, and other. And then it wasn't until about around January or so, January, February, I was finally kind of on my feet a little bit and, and I could go back to work and was working at school there. And uh, I, I'd heard by, you know, you know how the, the, you have the, the word is out there, the drumbeat of jobs that are opening here, there, and that. Well, I heard divine had come open. 
And I just felt like I needed to get back down in that part of the country. I loved those children there at Elderetta. I really did. And I just felt like I needed to, again, because I was just getting back on my feet again, this, that, and the other. And so I applied for the job at Divine, and I actually, you know, got an interview. So I went down and it was a board interview with the superintendent and interviewed. And then I was leaving out of the interview and, you know, I was fixing to head back to uh, El Rita. And once somebody said, well, are you going to stop somewhere and eat? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to stop at Herman's Sons over at Hondo on the way back just, you know, for dinner that evening and then go from there. And so I was in Herman's Sons and somebody, came, some of the waiters came over and said, are you uh, Mike Williamson? Uh, yes. So, well, there's a phone call for you over He's in the payphone booth. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a phone call for you over there. Oh, okay. So I go over and his superintendent said, hey, we want you to be our next coach here in Divine. And that really lifted my spirits too, because that was going to be a new deal. I was on my feet again. So I go home and I tell them there at El Dorado, you know, and so I've got my U-Haul out there and we're the kids, my kids were over there helping me put the stuff on there. And we were just crying. Mm. We, we were just crying and crying, but we were loading that. Cause I couldn't load up much at that time. Couldn't do much, but we were loading that stuff up. And I'm sure Randy Morrison is probably one of them that was over there that day. I wouldn't know because my eyes were so red from, you know. The, the, those kids out there in that part of the world, they're completely different, aren't they? They are. They're, they, they're like nothing you've ever seen if you haven't worked out in that direction. They, I would say, I, I'm not telling you anything yeah, you're not yeah. aware of, you know. And it was, and, and yeah, I enjoyed the Menard kids. Yeah. You know, when we played them, I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed uh, even that gum. Uh, Oh, I ran. They yeah. kick our tails good. Uh, but, you know, I enjoyed, I really, I enjoyed that. But get, getting coming off of what I was coming off of, yeah. I was looking to get back to some place that, you know, that I understood. Mm -hmm. Totally understood. And uh, so I, I go back and, and I take the divine job. And that was where in divine I found some very, again, I, there's never a school that I've ever been at that I hadn't found good kids. Mm -hmm. And in Divine, I found the same thing, but they were beat up from, uh, had kids that had separated shoulders, not, not from what we did from the year before. Right. And I mean, some of the, the key kids that, that could really go and we wound up and, and I had some stuff come up in my personal life that I just, I having a hard time deal, dealing with. And we wound up five and five that football season. Mm -hmm. And I really felt like I let those kids down because of personal stuff that we had. They didn't get the best of me. Let's just put it like that. Those children, and I told them that, and I wound up, they offered me a new two-year contract, but I, I, I just couldn't do it. And so I wound up going from Divine, taking an assistance job down at Creedle Springs, Texas with Don Tate, who was the head coach down there at that mm -hmm. time and found another group of the most wonderful kids you would ever want to, to, to be. Honestly and truly, they were. And I, I really enjoyed working those three years with Don down there. We, we made a lot of head, headway, made, did a lot of practice. I was head track coach and uh, just right in my element. Uh, it, it, it was 
I knew I couldn't do it by myself, but a turning point in my coaching career came came years years later down down the road. I'd enjoyed some success as a head coach, and I felt I'd had some success as an AD, but uh, I, I I learned to, uh, as I moved on to another job. I had I had two coaches that rose to the occasion for me down there at Pearsall that day that that they came in and that was the only thing on the board. I cannot do this by myself. They started stepping up and 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 making better hands and doing and we went ahead and finished that year out and, and you know had a had a really good year. But when I had experience at doing things, but when I was at Carrizo Springs, uh, I was working as assistant coach for Dante. Real quick, you did you didn't hire Steve Kidd at Pearsall though, right? No. Okay. You you didn't do that till uh, Uvalde or? No. Well, I'm I'm sorry. This just I'm gonna do this real quick. Okay. Steve was such an important part of, of my if you want to say my career and without that man nothing I, I, it wouldn't be like it like it's turned out to be mm-hmm. i can tell you that right now and up front but no i steve was not coaching steve was teaching elementary pe in carrizo springs texas mm-hmm. at, a, at a little school but it so happened that little campus was right there at the stadium and, and our, our field house and so as I'm going around there. I could see, you know, when he had the kids out for PE, and the I always saw a lot of organized stuff. I, I didn't really know him that well. He wasn't on the coaching staff or anything. And anyway, I was working for Don Tate down there at that time, and I'd gone in Coach Tate's office one afternoon. He said, "Mike, we're going to have to hire a seventh grade coach for next year. Do you know anybody?" Well, as I've already said, you know when. I'd already been in the business hiring seventh grade coaches way back when. And my first thought immediately went to, was well, there someone here that, that might do it? And the first thing that hit me was right across the street at that elementary school, there was a PE teacher over there that I had observed. I helped him, he had a field day every uh, spring, you know, and, and I showed up to, to uh, help, give him some assistance, you know, a little track meet basically is what it was and showed up just to volunteer and help for him out there. And it was so organized, everything was, blah, blah, blah. I went, wow, you know, yes, sir. I can, you know, because everything was just, was, was just it. And I said, what, what about him? And he said, I don't know. I said, you think he, I said, I don't know if he would or not. He said, well, why don't you go over and ask him? I said, okay. So I'll go over there and ask him. And I said, well, Coach State, what if he says yes? He says, well, hire him. You know, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I go across the street and I go in, I find Steve and go into his little elementary PE office there and say, would you be interested in coaching Steve? And his answer was yes. And I said, well, you're gonna, you're gonna have to move over to the junior high and have to teach PE over there at the junior high. Is that okay? Yes. I said, well, good, you're gonna be on our staff. I mean, man, a few words. And boy, that next, that, that summer, 
or you know when school started that, ne that next year there's these oleanders around this fence of around the stadium the, the fence around the stadium had all these oleander plants that all grew up around so they had big old bushes you know they were pretty back there but then the practice field was just on the other side of those of that and so it was junior high athletic period <laughs> football going on I slide in I'm worried I mean that was the guy now listen when we said seventh grade coach we're talking by himself I slide over and I'm hiding in those oleanders and I'm peeking out in there and I'm seeing what kind of job that man's doing with those seventh graders and I had a clue because I'd coached junior high for so long. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I had a clue. I could see things that, yeah, those are good things to be doing, or no, that's not a good thing to be doing. And I'm, I'm looking through there, boy, I got seeing good things. And whew, you know, and he didn't even know it. And, you know, I'm, he didn't know. I'm sneaking around in the bushes looking. So it gets time for the first junior high home football game, and so we were always up in the in the booth announcing, keeping the you know, score, you know, as high school coaches, we were doing that for them. <clears throat> and I'm watching, here comes seventh graders out. There's Steve, and there was 42 kids. I mean, there was a bunch, and he's all by himself. And here they come out, they do, and they go through all their warm-up, whatever, and they go over on the sidelines, okay, let's see what they do. And I don't know where they kicked off or received or whatever, but here's time for them to go. 11 boys show up out there. These are seventh graders. Eleven of them show up, and they're all in the right spots. And whatever you know, kickoff or whatever they did, when whenever they played offense, I looked. There was eleven boys out in the huddle. Eleven boys came up to the line of scrimmage. They were in a proper formation. And they they ran their play. Same thing on defense. So as I'm watching through the course of the game, every child it gets out on the field. Every single one of them through the course. That's one man with like 42 kids. And they're all getting it. And I don't remember where they won or lost, but we probably won. Knowing Steve, I'm sure we probably won the game. And I went, man, I'm just going, oh, why? And so, anyway, I leave Credo Springs years later when I get the head coach at Uvalde. That's when I. I wanted to hire one of the coaches off Creedal Springs staff because it's close to U Valley there, blah, blah, blah. The name of Jack Hartung because I'd played ball with him in college. And so I give Jack a call and say, hey, Jack. And he said, hey, congratulations. You know, you head coach here at U Valley. Yeah. I said, well, I need some coaches. I said, man, I'm sure would like for you because Jack was a, a, a line coach type, or, you know, and I knew that's what I really needed to hire someone that had some savvy with offensive line as far as football was concerned. And and I knew Jack because, I mean, I was in the backfield and he was an offensive lineman in front of me in college, I mean, and, and I knew. And he had had some success, but he was at Creasel Springs then. And I said, man, would you be interested in coming? He said, no. He said, I really, said, my kids like it here, my wife likes it here, you know, this, that, and the other. and. And I appreciate it, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stay here. And I understood that. And I said, well, I, I really appreciate that, Jack. I said, if you, if you do change your mind or anything, give me a call, you know. And, and he said, but I will tell you somebody that's, that might be interested. I said, who's that? He said, well, he's the best coach on our staff. And I went, well, who's that? He said, Steve Kidd. Because Steve had stayed down there. I'd left and gone on. And Steve, Steve 
and then work. And I said, you are kidding me. He said, he said, I said, do you think he, he would come? Now this is this man telling me that he's the best coach on their staff. And I had just a few years earlier put him into the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. And of all things, it was Christmas holidays when I'd been uh, named a head coach in Uvalde and I was named in December. And so we got on into the Christmas holidays. So we had time also. I tell my wife, I said, hey, that's one of the days. Let's go into San Antonio. I had a gift certificate from my brother to uh, one of those at Shepherd's Western Wear store there at Ingram Park. I said, man, I'm going to go. Let's go to, you know, in San Antonio, blah, blah. I want to use this. So we're in Shepherd's because I had that card from my brother. And we're in there and we're shopping in there and just on a normal day and I'm walking down one of the aisles and who comes walking down the aisle the other direction in front of me but Steve Kidd. Mm. And I went, you're kidding me. I said, Steve, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said, congratulations, you know, I heard you're the new coach, head coach Ernie Valley and all that. I am. I said, Steve, I need coaches. So would you be interested in, in coming to your valley? And he said, and working with us over there? He said, yes. Word. <laughs> and, and I said, now, Steve, I don't know what right now, because I was just in, I mean, I was having to hire staff and staff and staff. And I'm going, I don't know where, I, you know, you will be, but I would love for you to come. And I said, can you, we still, would you still come knowing that? And he said, yes. And of course his wife, Linda, was a super elementary teacher, mm -hmm. excellent. And so I wound up hiring Steve. And you can look at what started happening in Uvalde, okay? Mm -hmm. And what happened in Bandera, and who came with me from Uvalde to Bandera? Steve Kidd did, we worked together for 16 years. You cannot do it all by yourself. And you are one fortunate coach if you have someone that you can totally, totally trust on your staff. Mm -hmm. I, and to this day, I totally, 100% trust Steve Kidd. I hope, I hope he trusts me that much too. But totally 100% because there was the best hire, the best anything that ever happened in my life. And I, I can't say enough about the fact that for anyone that, that gets into coaching, into high schools in the state of Texas, that, and it really doesn't matter what sports you're coaching. If you're the head coach of it, if you're in charge of it, you'll do that much better if you have a good man or person, woman, working along beside you every day. Because, and then you hope, in football where you have to have several more coaches, you hope that you could have coaches on your staff that, that are in that same vein, that are truly committed to coaching, and that have in their hearts, they know that they are here because they're true teachers. They are here to serve the kids. Those kids are here to serve us. And we do the very, very best that we can every day to give our kids a chance for success. 
and love them just because they're out there, just because they, sh they do show up and they want to be taught. And to have someone like Steve Kidd on your, on your staff was every bit, the, the, every bit. I, I was reflecting, looking at a few things, kind of getting ready for this, just kind of reminiscing old things. And, and I looked at, uh, I looked at first, the first, uh, the second year here in Bandera, I was named, you know, the Express News Coach of the Year, you know, mm -hmm. on top of San Antonio. Here was a Bandera man selected as the football coach of the year over all of those coaches in San Antonio over, you know, all of that. And they select the coach from Bandera right. as the coach. Well, in, in an interview, which what the guy was gonna write the article about, it was a phone interview. I had to make sure, and luckily he did, he, he printed this. I said, Steve Kidd, Steve Kidd was, it, you know, I had to make sure that he was mentioning how much he meant to what, what we did because it was true. And, you know, over the years, uh, you know, I just, I can't say enough. I know I'm rambling, I'm going here to there. No, I, I, it's good. I mean, when I got here to student teach, uh, I, I benefited from what you benefited from for so many years because that's what I student taught under. You know, and and you you've picked good people. I'd probably like for you to pick my next wife because <laughs> because you know when you think about how much I benefited. I mean, Coach Kid, I didn't have a whole lot of conversations, and you know, Miss well, Williamson. He's done conversations, right? Sherry uh, and I didn't have a whole lot of conversations, but because again, I mean, they just that's just not how either one of them operated. But if you needed something, if you needed to know something, there there were people that you could go to, and you just could count on them, and. Very, very helpful. You picked well, you know, in terms of who you've had ride with you through life on, you know, career and, and life and so on. And so that that continued to benefit anybody that came into, you know, I think he told me when I student taught for him, he'd had 13 student teachers in 35 years or something like that at that point. And, and he told me day one, he could tell I was the best one. And I thought, he says this to all of them, you know, and, and uh, you know, and then as I got to know him, I was like, I don't think he says that to all of them. You know what I mean? Because he, he was such a uh, straight up, honest, helpful, good guy. If you came in there with the right mindset, you could have learned a ton from him. That's exactly. A lot right. of young people probably don't come in with the right mindset. They think they, you know, they've already got it all figured out, and and maybe don't take the time to study someone, you know. But there were a lot of people in that building that were, you know, I, I think I observed eight teachers right out of the blocks. But uh, he he was he was outstanding. Oh, yeah, w w without a doubt. Yeah, and I, I talked to him. Uh, you know, from regular band, they still live here mm -hmm. in Bandera. And I was talking to Steve one day, and he says, Coach, I, he said, You seem kind of blue. I said, Yeah, Steve. I said, You know, I've lost my voice. Uh, meaning that no one pays any attention to what you're saying. No one, no one cares anymore of what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I said, I've lost my voice, Steve. I said, And I'm so frustrated. I said, Because, you know, I, we love, and you know how much I love Bandera and the kids here and everything, and, and, and I see things going on, and, but I have no voice in anything. He said, Coach, he said, that's their loss. He said, if they would just, if anyone would just take, the, that's in this business, would take the time to sit down with you and listen 
to what you have to say, said they would be well, well better. And I said, well, thanks for making me feel better, Steve, but I still lost my voice. And no one, you know, nobody pays attention to any of that kind of stuff anymore. And uh, what an excellent man. And I've got so many things I could tell about him. But, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I think of it from these terms because one of the coaches that I spent a lot of time reading after after he retired and wrote some books, I, I read a lot of it, and, and it was Gordon Wood, mm -hmm. who, who was one of the all-time coaches in the state of Texas, especially in high school football, but Gordon Wood was a basketball man. But he, I'm sorry, I've read, you know, I, I've read a ton about him. But one of the things that was always continuous through there was his assistant coach, his first assistant coach that he had with him. And he made even note of that when, when, when he picked him up and the years they worked together and how important he was to the success that they had. And I, you know, I could relate to that big, big time in Steve Kidd and Steve Kidd made, you know, he, he, he did it because he, he was in it for the right reasons. And, uh, you know, there's so many things that, like I said, reading into uh, what uh, Gordon Wood w would say in his books, I would read between the lines. And, and it wasn't the X's and O's. Uh, that, that part didn't interest me, you know, plays and this kind of stuff. But when he's just talking about things, read it and, and read between the lines. And there were so many things that he, he said in there that I started, that I put into my head and I would start, and why did I be? Because hey, if you want to be successful with something, read and or talk to someone that has had success in that business. And I put a lot of things he said into my head and I started applying a, a lot of those, a lot of those things coming through. And one thing being like, and what they, they do today that just, oh, it drives me crazy because and football is an important sport in the state of Texas but they put way too much emphasis on that's all it is in a program is football because you're not serving your children if that's what it is you you are not serving the kids at that school you're not doing what you're there to do and if you read Gordon Wood one of the most successful football coaches in the state of Texas in history of football in, in Texas if you read between, or you read his lines when he's talking about when football's over with, he wanted his kids to play basketball. He wanted his kids to play baseball. He wasn't so much interested in all this weightlifting and all this powerlifting and, and, and all this, this, that, and the other and everything else. He wanted his kids to keep doing it. And hey, I'll go, that's exactly what I wanted to, what, when we were through with football, when it was over with, then it was time for basketball. And, all, and of course, all the kids, are not basketball players, but those that are, they need to be practicing basketball mm -hmm. and, and going. Not all the kids are baseball players or, you know, or football or baseball, but those kids, they need to be practicing that. The kids that, that are runners, that are track stuff, they need to be doing things related to what they do. If you look at, at what happened in Bandera while I was there, we not only won in football, but it was like Pearsall starting out. We won in basketball. We won in baseball. We won in track. We were all competitive in every single thing that we did, and that's why I wanted to be. But if you look back 
at a successful coach like Garden Wood, you'll find that their that their kids were successful in all the other sports too, because they were given that opportunity. They just weren't twenty four seven kids into you know on, on the football end of it. And and I'm a firm believer in that. I. And if nothing else, at the end of the day, or at the end of the year, when it was all said and done, did I do the best that I could do, or did we as a staff do the best that we could do to give those kids a chance to be successful? A chance. Uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, just because you're out there, you're going to have success. But did we do, as teachers, did we give those kids a chance to have some success? And that's what we did. We were, oh, it's the only thing we were doing here. We were working every day just to do the best that we could do as coaches to give those kids a chance. And Steve was one of those kind of coaches and, and you need more of them and you need more on your staff. You need the ones that are <clears throat> sitting somewhere and somebody's talking and they're sitting there drawing some X's and O's or making some, some stuff. They're always thinking about, always thinking about, can, if we did this, our kids would have a better chance for success. And I was fortunate enough to have several on the staff at here, you know, in Bandera. And so we could put that, you know, put that all together and voila, we were having success in everything that we did and loving all of our kids. And it didn't matter it didn't matter what they were playing. You just loved them for being out there and for participating, and you were giving them a chance at at uh, having some success in what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was all about. And I know I'm going on and on and on, but you're good. That is the that is probably the the main number one thing. And then men that had. Uh, and women that had focus, that believed in that. I know that our, the my coaches book manual thing that that we did in Bandera was really pretty thin. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot in there except for when you looked at the first page. First page had one statement on it, one, and it was really big on there. Take care of your kids, and everything else will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. That was number one. You take care of those kids every day. And then, you know, then you saw on the next page, you know, we are here to serve the kids. They are not here to serve us. You know, so, and I mean, that, that was, you, you know, that let, turned into my philosophy. Let me throw this at you, though, because I feel like a lot of the time in 2019, people have uh, almost taken a comment like that. Like when we're serving kids, I think of education almost like we're factory workers and we're producing the future. And so when mm -hmm. you're serving kids, that means you're giving it the same care to try to mold it and mend it to be the product yeah, exactly. that, that is needed. A lot of people have, you know, adopted this philosophy that, uh, you know, serving the kids almost it's like Burger King. And so, you know, we make sure that they have it their way. And I feel like it's, it's a, it, it's something that, you know, like with lawyers, everything's left up to interpretation, right? Right. 
And so I don't think that um, that's one of those things that ever should have been left up to interpretation. Maybe it needs a little bit more clarification that serving the kids means serving them in the right capacity where you're making sure they're going to be, you know, in a loving with the right heart and mind. You're going to put them on the path to becoming, you know, the most that they can, you know, become. Exactly. And that was the whole key. And, and for me, that that occurred that transformed uh that transformed for me when i was in carrizo springs and we had uh i was on football i was, that year i was a uh, defensive coach and we'd play we we had a, about a 500 year that year but we were uh playing crystal city in the eighth ball game and that's big rival game down there you know rival and crystal city had not won a game they were 0 and 8. And they were playing in Carrizo, so we've got them over there. Here we go. And they beat us in the 50s, 52, 55, something like that, to zero. And I was low, low, low. They had not won a game. And we had to play Uvalde the next week in our last game. And Uvalde was already the district champion mm -hmm. that year. They were already our district champion. And that's what we had to play. And we were, uh, we were totally beat up, totally mentally, physically, anything you could say we were. But I had, I had an opportunity uh, on Saturday afternoon, that late Saturday afternoon, after we'd finished some stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally blown. I don't know what we're going to do in preparation for it. Embarrassed, you know, around town, the whole nine yards. And I visited, I went over to visit my mom and dad that afternoon, just stayed for a little while. And I just needed somebody to, to pat me on the back. I needed someone you know, to look at someone that wasn't going to look at me, that wasn't going to look at me through critical eyes and say, mm -hmm. boy, did y'all stink it up in that football game, <laughs> you know, last Friday night. And so I visited with them just for a little while and I was leaving. My dad walked out to the truck with me and I said, dad, let me ask you a question. I said, how is it that you and mom have never made a lot of money of any, of any sorts, but you seem to have everything that you need you've got everything that you need and he said well son said your mom and i said for the most part we've always found that the the more we would give and not expect anything in return the more will come good things will come your way i'd heard that a thousand times i'd heard it thousands of times but I was driving back over to Carrizo Springs from there, and that, because that, that's the last thing I talked to my dad about, and that's going through my head, going through my head, going, and it, boom. It's exactly right. Those kids don't go out there and, and play like that to embarrass you. Right. They do not do that. You have failed somewhere to give them the right tools to get out to go and perform with. And so immediately that Monday, and, and I, I'd done, I got in, so I'm figuring out what we're gonna do defensively. And I get those kids over everyone at time for the defense, and, and I just tell you guys hit a knee, and I hit a knee with them. I said, I need to, this my, they, I mean, they were, mm, you know, we got Uvalde coming, and we just got embarrassed. And I said, guys, I, I've gotta tell you something, I said, I've been going about this all wrong. I said, that's what I told him. I said, I know 
that you're not here to serve me or us as a coach and staff. I said, we're here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here to do the best I can to give you a chance to. And, and I don't want you to, you know, you, you need to understand that I have failed in that capacity. I said, but never again. I said, come on, boys, I got a plan for this week. Let's work it. They beat us in the last play of the game. They, they did win the game, you valley beat us the last play of the game because I was giving up the tight end with my defense. I'd give him because I looked on film that tight end, he didn't have very good hands, and he would drop drop a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So I just gave him up. But that allowed me to take my defense and do other things with it. And uh, the last play of the game, of course, they found the tight end in the end zone, and, of course, he caught it. You know, as as you he could have dropped it, but he didn't. And... Uh, but I was never so proud of a bunch of kids in my entire life. And I knew, and they can't, they, they played their socks off. And they did everything they could to do what I'd been asking them to do out there. And I knew from that moment on, and that changed my whole. And I carried that with me. I had to leave Carrizo Springs because that was not, Don Tate was the head coach down there. If anybody knows Don, I was one of the few friends in this whole wide world Don had. Don was pretty, he was cut from a different boat. And I had to leave Carrizo because I couldn't work in, in, in from, a, from a standpoint, and he was head coach, and, and that, that's the way it was going to be, and I was not going to be disloyal or anything like that. But once that transformation hit on me, I could not, in, in all honestly, go out and serve those kids the way I wanted to. And so I wound up leaving, even though he, he was, he's passed away now, God rest his soul. But uh, it was, uh, that was a moment, but I can't get that across enough. <clears throat> and the other thing that, that is making decisions and you take a man like Steve Kidd or that, they will make the right decision. And they are there for the right purpose, too. They are there to do the, the best they can to give those children that they have a chance of success uh, of, of doing doing things. But uh, it was at that time uh, that I decided that it was time that I leave Carrizo Springs. And I wound up taking a job in Laredo, Laredo United High School. Shouldn't have done it. Should have never done it. But you go in, you visit with the superintendent. Superintendent again throws you the keys and says you're hired, you know. And so I, I went back. I didn't accept the job right at that moment. I went back home, and that night I'm talking to Sherry, my wife. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, Sherry, you know, how bad could it be? You know, we're going to make more money than we've ever made. You know, down there. And I said, you know, how bad could? Laredo United was one of the, at that time, was one of the nicer schools in Laredo. And I said, you know, how bad could it be? Yeah, I don't know. So, well, we're fired up, you know, and here we go. We, we, we take off and we, we go to Laredo. And my son at that time was like one. Walker just turned like one years old, one year old. And uh, we go down Laredo, and what a mistake. I mean, it was an absolute 
bad decision on my part and my wife agreed with me too it was a <laughs> she agreed wholeheartedly too but it was me that was pushing i had gotten i was hyperventilating about things that were that was occurring that i knew were, were unlawful mm. no truly right. truly unlawful yeah and and it was being done through the school district. And, and I know that, and I'm going, I cannot and will not be a part of this. I'm hyperventilating to yeah. the point to where I felt the Guillain-Barre coming back on me. Hmm. I mean, the tingling is already, I mean, the, the, the numbness has already gone past my elbow and it's working it and it's already come past my knees and it's working. And I knew exactly what that was, what it's doing. And, I go see my neurologist in, in San Antonio that I'd had, you know, there. I call him up and I said, I explained a few things. He said, you come now. Mm -hmm. You leave now. He said, when you get to this hospital, there's already going to be a room for you. All you got to do is just come and tell you you are, and they're going to take you to the room. Plain and simple. I said, yes, sir. So I drive in and get in there and spent, he visited with me that afternoon, whatever, and, and did, or that night or whatever, and they ran some tests and everything. And then about a day later, he comes back in with this other doctor and, and they said, well, we figured out what, what the deal is. I said, well, what is it? He said, have you been hyperventilating a lot? I said, just about every day. <laughs> and they said, well, here's the, what the deal is. Uh, when you hyperventilate, it changes a lot of your, uh, the chemistry in your blood to to a certain extent it does since and when when you're doing that because they had taken all the testing and everything again that when you're doing that you start feeling your nerves are scarred they have scar tissue all over over your whole body from the original onset of it and when your body chemistry changes you can actually feel those nerves you can feel that scar so and that's what's causing all of the I said, well, what can I do about that? I mean, man, I can't function like this. And he said, you need to get another job. Mm. I said, wow. I said, you need to get another job. Or this, this, it's, and that's all it took. So I go back home. We had played three games. Mm -hmm. And I walked in to the board. I, I told the superintendent, <coughs> I, I'm out of here. I'm not going to be a part of what, what all this stuff is. So they have me in at a board meeting, an executive session. I go in, we, they sit there, we go through everything. What, you know, I'm telling, and I knew I was only telling them the tip of the iceberg, mm -hmm. you know, cause I could only see just that little part. I could imagine what was going yeah. on underneath it. And I'm sitting there telling superintendent and the board in there. And I said, and, and we're, and I had both mine and Sherry, my wife's resignation with me. I said, you know, here they are, we're out of here. They said, you know, we're going to hold y'all's teaching certificates because we can't go breach contract. Right. You know, we're going to hold y'all's, your, both your teaching certificates. You walk out of here. And I said, I know you can do that. You have the, the right to do that. I said, but I'm going to tell you what's outside that door. And you know what's outside that door. There's every television station in town, every radio station in town, and they're waiting to hear what the deal is and why I'm here. I said, if you want to hold our teaching certifications, that's fine. When I walk out that door, I'm going to tell them every single thing that I've told in here, everything. I said, if you decide just to let us go, don't keep our, 
just pay us for what we've earned up to today. Right. And and release our teaching certificates. Mm -hmm. When I walk out that door, I'll say no comment. It's up to y'all. They voted unanimously. We'll release them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll release them. Let them go. I said, thank you very much. And I'm out of there. And so, did you think about that that possible consequence they might offer before you went in there, or or did they kind of? I mean, were you already aware? I guess that they could that they could and might oh, tell yes. you that they would hold those certificates. Oh yeah. So you were ready to deal with that. I was ready. I was. The, yeah. I mean, I was from the start. Yeah, I was savvy enough, and I and I knew I'd been in it long enough to right. to know that. And, and I walked. And I, when I got home that night, I went in and, and asked Sherry, I, well, I told Sherry, I said, well, we're out of it. They're not holding our teaching certificates. Because I told her they're probably going to do that. But she was with me 100%. Right. It didn't matter. And they could only hold it for like a year or so. But you know what I'm saying. But uh, but I said, they did. And I said, where do you want to live? That's what I told her. Yeah. And we had Walker. And like I said, he's one, a little over one. Where do you want to live? And so we decided... We sat down and talked about it. We decided we would move to Uvalde because in Uvalde we would be, she's from Divine. Mm -hmm. We would be, and she had a granny over there that had raised her that she cared about tremendously. Well, we were fairly close to Divine from here, but we weren't, you know, there. My folks in Crystal City, close enough, they can see Walker, you know, mm -hmm. their grandchild, their only grandchild, you right. know, not that far, you know. So, but yet we would still be, and I've said in U Valley, I got a chance of maybe finding some kind of job, you know, and so we moved to U Valley, and this is like in October. We just moved, no job, no nothing, and <laughs> I, I apply at a, a few, uh, I applied in U Valley, well, they didn't have anything going in October, you know, and I, but I applied at Eric schools that were, in the area, and mm -hmm. one of them was LaPriar. I applied for anything that they had in LaPriar. Then all that, and nothing was coming up. Nothing coming up, I and mean, we need some money. So I did have another ace in, in my hope. I had a, I was bus driving certified. Yeah. I was certified bus driver. So I marched down one day, I go down, and I had a tie on, and I walk into transportation, and I've got a tie on, and I asked for the transportation director. And they all—they're all looking at me, and they're thinking I'm a salesman of some sort, mm -hmm. you know. They just and they, you know, they find. So I go in, I find him, and I said, "Hey, I said, you need a bus driver." I said, "I'm, and here it is. I'm, I'm totally certified." And he said, "You're kidding me," because he just lost one that day, mm. lost a driver that day, and so I said, "You're not kidding, we, you know." And so I got out and I started driving a bus every morning, every afternoon, hauling kids around there. But at least I was going to get paid. Yeah. Something. Right. And uh, that's what I was doing. And I did that for a week and I got a call from the prior. The prior said, we've got two teaching, uh, we've got a, a, a teaching job that's open right now that we would like to talk to you about if you want to come talk to us. So I sure do. You know, and so I go down there and visit with him, and it was uh, seventh and eighth grade language arts. They, the kids had, were so wild that the teacher was just pulling her hair out, and they wound up getting rid of the teacher mm. you know, because it was chaos. Right. He actually took me down. It wasn't her in there. They had a sub in there, but, you know, showed me. 
that one there's no coaches no anything he said would you like to take that and i said how much does it pay and he's of course a whole lot more than i was making driving that bus so i drive back to you i'd have to go and tell that transportation guy i'm sorry you know i've got but he understood that mm -hmm. you know and uh, i've got another i got a job now over in la Prior. and so for the rest of that school year i drove uh, i drove back and forth from new valley but i taught seventh eighth grade language arts and one great one class of ninth grade english and I was no coaching, anything like that involved with it. And that was one of the, the first times when I was teaching that, that I see my principal coming down the hallway in between classes one day, and I'm standing out by my door, you know, and all that. And he comes in, and I, I said, hi, Mr. Summit. And he just walked straight in, didn't say hi, boo, nothing. Walked straight over and sits down in the back of the class. And so here comes the rest of the kids. You know, the kids are, I mean, he came in with the kids. And they're coming in, and kids all sit down, and we do. I do. We just do it. Do our what you know what I had planned for the day. The bell rings. He stands up with the kids and exits the class. Does not say one word to me. Well, two or three, maybe a week or two later, another period at another time, different level of kids, different class. Here he comes again. Well, I was ready this time. I didn't say anything. He just came on in, went back in, and said he was observing. And you talk about no dog and pony shows all geared up. And, you know, I know a lot of teachers today, boy, they want to know, well, when are I'm going to be observed, you know? Right, I didn't. right. No, no. There was absolutely none of that. And so did the same thing and left. A day or two later, uh, I get a note in my uh, mailbox at school, and I pulled it out, and it, it was from the the principal and he said, I'd like to see you during your conference period, you know, today. I went, sure. So I go in and sit down. He said, how did you, how do you, how do you learn to do that? What? He said, the only thing, the only thing I could see observe that was wrong in, in your class was not doing it. He said, you didn't have your poster boards all up to date on the wall. And I said, no, sir. <clears throat> I said, because I'm a coach. And I don't know much about the, I don't know much about poster board putting up stuff there. He said, do you know that out of those classes uh, that you teach, you have not sent one single child to the office for discipline in a month and a half, two months, whatever it was? Yes, sir. I said, do you know that those were the rowdiest kids and everything that we had that we were having so many problems? And I said, yes, yeah, sir. Sure. That's what I was told. I said, they're good kids. That's not necessary. I said, how do you know how to do all this stuff? I said, coaching. That's. I said, I'm really a coach, but right. Uh, you know, but in the circumstance that I'm in. I wound up getting an afternoon bus route with them too, so that make a little bit. Yeah. More, so I made a little bit more money doing that. And Sherry just stayed home with Walker during that time. Yes, and it, yeah. Sherry just stayed yeah. home with Walker as a one-year-old and yeah. Yeah, mom. Yeah, and, and mom at home, and so I was so proud that at the end of the school year there, I was rehired as a teacher, not a coach, as a teacher. Right. And I went, wow, man, this. Is, Let's go. I wasn't. Yeah, if I could find a coaching job, I was going to find a coaching job. Right. So summertime came. But it felt good on the teaching alone that it, it kind of verified 
you I, know, the YouTube I was hired as a teacher. <laughs> yeah. As a teacher. Yeah. You know, not a coach. And I, all I could do was stay one step ahead of those kids. I'm reading my stuff over, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just staying one step ahead on, right. on, on what we were doing. But the children were behaved. They were good kids. Yeah. Good kids. And I liked it. I liked one thing. They had a, t- they had a teacher belt when the, when the day was over and the kids left last class and they left, teachers had to stay in their classroom until they heard the teacher bell, which was another 30 to 40 minutes later. In other words, you had to stay in. You, you didn't walk out the door with the kids. That's what the deal was. You had to stay in your room mm-hmm. an additional 30, 40 minutes. I didn't mind that at all because I'd have kids coming back in. Right. Hey, you know, what's going on, Joe? You playing football? Yes, sir. All right, how you got? You know, you get to talk, make relationships with kids. Right. And anyhow, so summertime comes and I got a phone call in early June and it was the my high school principal over at La Prior. Mm-hmm. And and I hadn't resigned at La Prior. I mean, I I was glad. I but I was looking for a job coach, yeah. and I you know, and if I did get it, well then then I would resign. But uh, he called me up and he said, hey, I just need to tell you that uh, I'm a superintendent now. And I said, what? He said, yeah, I got a superintendent's job out in Tacoma, out by Lubbock. He said, yeah, I'm, I'm superintendent out here now. And I said, well, yeah, congrats, you know, congratulations, you know. Right. In my brain, I was going, you know, why are you calling me? Yeah. You know, tell me that, you know. And he said, you know, I need a high school principal said, I've had 10 men that I've interviewed for the job, said, I want you to take it. I went, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, and he started telling me all these things about, uh, you know, they had a house, provided housing and a car and all, you know, they had money. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they, doing all this, he said, but I want you to be the principal. I, he knew I was taking graduate courses, <clears throat> but I didn't have certification. <coughs> so I didn't want to. That's a, that's another odd perk in a lot of situations. When you were in El Dorado, did they have the school housing? Yes. Okay, and I know they do now. So I mean, that's another odd perk. A lot of people don't know about like West Texas life, Panhandle type life. We had a pretty nice house. We lived in for seventy five dollars a month. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty good. Yeah, and just just a few years ago, I was renting a house for three three hundred a month. I mean, so inflation sure hadn't you know carried as it has. You go all the way back to. Uh, um, Orange Grove with $75 yeah. a month. Here you are in El Dorado 10 years later, give or take, and you're paying 75 a month. I mean, you know, that's a great deal. 10 years later, be paying that kind of rent. Exactly. Still, even all these years later out that direction, you're going to find great rates on rent. Yeah, exactly. I think the only thing we paid was our electricity bill. I think that was the only thing, other than the, the $75 and, yeah. and your electricity bill. I think that was the hunt. But... He says that, and I'm thinking in my brain, I, I didn't want to just, you know, but I didn't have a coaching job. And I said, well, I need to think about this. And by the way, you know I don't have, he said, that's not going to be a problem. He said, I'll get you emergency certification. Right. And I'm going, mm. he said, you can finish up at Tech. You know, you, you, you can get all, all, all the stuff done there. and uh, Do those master's yeah. classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get all that stuff done, and I, and I thanked him. I, I didn't want to burst his bubble, but I'm saying, well, if I if you if you give me that emergency certification, I'll sure 
think about it. I did not commit to anything. The next day I had an overnight delivery and there it was written by Bynum. There it was, emergency administrative certification. The next day. Wow. And so he calls me back. Did you get it? I said, yes, sir, but I still have to think about things. And I'm sure glad I said that. He said, well, look, son, I'm going to drive down there and pick you up and take you out here and show you everything that, that we I said, no, 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 don't do that. So he, I hung up and said, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Okay, fine. Well, that afternoon, I get a call from the from Uvalde, the school district, the personnel director, of course, they call it HR now, but, you know, back then, the personnel director called me up and said, and he knew me. He was my uh, my senior year in high school. He was my baseball coach. I mean, I you know, so he knew me, and I knew him, obviously. He said, Mike, you still think you want a coaching job? I said, yeah, sure do. What you guys, well, I got Coach Watkins here in my office. He was the head coach AD there. I said, I got Coach Watkins in the office here. You want to come up? He's got something. You want to come talk to him about it? <laughs> Y'all stay there, stay where you are. And I'm five minutes, you know, I'm, I'm going through the door. You're talking about a coaching job. I go in and uh, first time I'd, well, I'd met Coach Watkins before, but didn't really know him. He's in there and we uh, sat down and started talking. He says, well, Coach, he says, here's what I need, Mike. So I need a ninth grade coach. I need a freshman football coach. And it would be freshman basketball too. And you'll have to teach over at the, at that time they had built a new high school in New Valley, but it wasn't, they didn't finish up enough to put the freshman in there. So they had an eighth and ninth grade campus, which was right really close to where the high school was built there. Mm -hmm. So you'd be on, you know, coaching ninth graders, you know, you're gonna be on that campus. And uh, I said, well, what, what, what would I be teaching over there? I said, well, of course the personnel director has got to teach earth science over there. And I said, well, you know, I have zero hours in earth science. You know, I've got zero to, I know it. He said, well, what do you think? Ninth grade, teacher of science here. The dude, I said, I'll take it. So I go home, and when that principal calls me up, I turn down, I mean, that superintendent calls me up. Right. I, I turn down that high school principal job for, a, and I told him, for ninth grade coaching. He was not a very happy camper mm -hmm. on that, because I'm sure he probably told some people around his school that he had this guy that he was going to bring in there. Right. And, I, I turned him down to take a ninth grade coaching job in Uvalde, Texas, and one of the better decisions that I ever made. When you just moved your family, you know, young family, right? And yeah. And I mean, you know, as intriguing as that sounds, you know that that coaching is what's what's in you. That's right? what I do. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. So you take this ninth grade job and yeah, it is coaching, Ed. And. Uh, didn't matter to me. I'd coach at the junior high level for, you right. know, and I'd been an assistant coach and a head coach. Right. So we get around, a little quick story on that. We get around to school start. And, of course, I hadn't been there. You hadn't been in their system. I didn't know any of the kids that were, you know, that had been seventh, eighth graders, you know, that was coming in the ninth grade there. Mm -hmm. Didn't know any of them. And I asked, we was getting, we was getting up for two days, and I was going up, or before two days, we'd have coaches' meetings. And I go up those, and I mean, I'm cold turkey. I don't know, you know, don't know anything from that. And I wanted to try to at least figure out what Coach Watkins wanted to run with offense and defense and stuff. And we had our first general coaches meeting, and then uh, after that was over, he called me and James Ward and Jesse 
into into his office and Jesse Suarez, he was the baseball coach. Coach Warden was the tennis coach. And he said, now you three guys are, because you're on that other campus over there, you guys are gonna coach the ninth grade, our freshman. He said, and I'm gonna put Mike in the lead. You're, you're gonna, you're in the lead and we're gonna go from there. And y'all are on your own. Boy, was that ever what I wanted to be, was on my own. <laughs> yeah. He just told me that he's putting me with the freshman, and I had two assistant coaches. I could work with those kids over there. And I went, yes, sir. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I said, let's go, guys. Let's get over and see what we got. And man, it was trashed. It was, it was bad. Anyway, I asked, I said, well, how did, how did they have these kids done? And, and Coach Watkins said, well, said, don't worry about it, Mike. He said, they won one game in the Seventh and eighth grade combined totally one one. That he said they're not. Not my, don't worry about it. Just do best that you can. But don't worry, they're not a very good group of kids coming in the ninth. Low grade. expectations. Very low. Yeah. Very low. I said okay, fine. And so first day comes for the kids show up. Well, we had uh, seventeen boys showed up. Now in Uvalde, as big a place as that was, there's seventeen boys showed up, and I I didn't know one of them, you know. And, brand new. So I get them around there and I, and I want to start learning a few things about them before we do. And I said, uh, which one of you guys was quarterback? You know, and not one single soul lifted up a hand. Not one. And I went, now come on. You guys have been involved in, in football in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, who's the quarterback? Still no hands go up. Finally I heard a little voice <laughs> from out of that. I said, Jim, I said, well, which one of you guys are Jim? Jim's not playing this year. Mm. Oh, okay. Jim's not playing this year. Okay. And so that's what I was down. And when school started, we went ahead and did two a days. And when school, anyway, we had got our numbers up to 24. Mm -hmm. few, and a few of the kids, you had to understand migrant type things, you know, and them just getting back in. And I was, you know, I understood that. I, Right. I was just glad they were out there. And they were there before, way before we even played our first game. But we was up to about 24 or so kids. And we get out there and we get to going and uh, we didn't lose a game that year. We lost not one game. And I didn't even have Jim a quarterback. I had to find one. Life without Jim was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> and later on, Jim was my quarterback in in later well, yeah. Jim was Jim was a player but mm -hmm. Jim didn't play that year but Jim did come out for basketball because he got so excited from the fact that, that they didn't lose a football game he said I wonder what that old man does and we turned around we lost one basketball game that year and they go whoa man you know about some excited kids so we go into the next year and the next year we do not lose another we don't lose a freshman game JP coaches there in New Valley used to always, they'd be coming on the field after we finish our freshman game. They'd come and say, God, Mike, you're such a hard act to follow. You know, they never, but you got to understand, it was me and that tennis coach and that baseball coach, we had them all by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I had their full attention. And I'd been down the road. Right. You know, around the block, so to speak. In charge of the whole thing. Yeah, you know? yeah I could handle all of that. It was, that was good. And I knew how to work and mold kids and what we needed to, to do here. And I was putting Tommy's stuff in all the way, mm -hmm. you know, doing, yeah. doing all of that. 
And so we didn't, and so at the end of, of the first year, at the end of my first year, freshman year, Tommy had called me over in the summertime and said, hey, Mike, said, I got a position over here at high school. It's gonna, I'm, I need to fill for next year. I knew what was JV something or this, that, or the other. He said, you know, would you like to take the job over here? And I told him, well, you know, with all due respect, Coach Watkins, I think I can do a better job for you at the freshman level. Mm -hmm. Where I'm at, I'll just stay over there and do that. And he said, that suits him just fine. So at the end of the second year, summertime comes, Tommy calls me up, go talk to him up the field house. So I go in, yes, sir, Coach Watkins, what, you know, what, what do we got to do? And he said, uh, well, you know, Trent Phipps left, and that was his defensive coordinator, like his first assistant guy. Mm -hmm. And he went to take, took a principal's job at Van Horn. And uh, I said, yeah, I heard Trent, you know, took got that principal's job out there, and it's going. He said, I need you to coach over here with us this year. And I said, whatever you want me to do, Coach Watkins. There's a big difference between do you want to or I need you to. And, right. And so I said, Coach Watkins, I'm here. Whatever you, whatever you need, you just throw it at me. So we went through that season, and uh, I was uh, JV coach from a standpoint of, and my little JV guys were all were my freshman guys that I'd had, you know, for mm -hmm. two years in front of that. So, irregardless, or regardless to say, we we didn't lose a game. Mm. We didn't. But I knew the kids, and they knew me, and they trusted me. And so that year, uh, we were in the playoffs that year, and we played New Braunfels High School up at Northside Stadium in, in by district. Man, I'm all excited, because all the year, I, Tommy only wanted me on the phones with him. I, what I would do on Friday nights was I had the heads. I had a headset on up there, and he didn't want to talk to anybody else. It was just me. He he could talk to the coaches, you know, on the sideline, but it, the only voice he heard at all was mine. Um, he, I, I mean, just kind. Of, I guess he, he heard somebody that knew what was going on mm -hmm. would be visiting with him about that. Never will forget. We were in our last regular schedule before the by district game, and he had uh, moved my little JV quarterback up to the varsity, you know, for the playoffs. And we were beating, we were beating the, well, they didn't have a game that week. And so he moved some of them up is what the deal was. And so we were playing that game and he said, hey, Mike, and we were, we were, we were playing Cruzel Springs, we were whipping them pretty good. He said, hey, I'm thinking about putting Jeff Hawks in a quarterback. He was my quarterback. Mm -hmm. Said, I'm thinking about putting Jeff Hawks in there. Quarterback said, uh, what, what pass? Right, you you think he could you know, what pass plays? You think he could? I want to see him throw a ball one time. I said, sure, coach. Call eighty four curl. Call eighty four curl. And he said, eighty four curl. I said, yeah. Do it with old Hawks. Throw. Call eighty four curl. So Jeff, I mean, he's nervous, you know. I mean, he's out. This is Friday night, you know, and he's out. He goes out there, goes under, sets up, throws a perfect strike, and and the guy slipped a tackle and we score on the play. Mm -hmm. you, know, well, you know, that's good. I said, I told you he could throw that, coach. And and he said, sure can. That's Tommy's play, you know. Mm -hmm. And and uh, but it's a good one. Yeah. And by the way, we threw that in the state championship game too. Okay. We still threw that same thing. Yeah. Tommy knew how to win 
games. You mean that that like you you threw that later on in Bandera? Yeah, we yeah. we threw it in state championship game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just meant it, for someone that's listening that doesn't know yet that that's where we're headed. Yep. You know, you're still going to end up using that play oh, as yeah. you get on to Bandera, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, and I had a chance to talk to Coach Watkins after we won the state championship. To talk to him, and he was so happy for me. He was so, and uh, and I told him I said, Coach, does '84 curl and sweep four act sound familiar to you? <laughs> and he said. That blank still works, doesn't it? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir, it does. Yeah. Yes, sir, it does. And we were still doing it. Uh, Tommy had, had I found, he, he knew how to work things with the offense and defense that enable you to win ball games. And that's what a lot of young coaches don't understand. They're, you've got to learn how to win a game before you can win a championship. Mm-hmm. And if you don't understand some of the dynamics that are going into what it takes to get up just to win a game, then you're, you know, you're thinking too far ahead. If you if you're thinking, you know, just because you got good athletes that you're gonna win because you got better players than the other team, that's not always the case. And and I learned a lot of that working, working for Tommy there. And then Tommy, after we played that by district game, we lost up there. New Braunfels beat us, and, and we came home. And the next day, or when we got home in Uvalde, Tommy told all the coaches, "Hey, I need to see you guys all. See you." And I go, "God, you know, season's over, mm-hmm. you know." But I'm going, "All right." I go home and tell Sherry, "Yeah, I'm fired up." I said, "I'm pumped, Mom. I got to go to work up there tomorrow." But hey, we're gonna start planning for next year. Yeah. I am pumped. I'm I'm excited. And she said, "Why are you so excited?" I said, "I'm fired up. Yeah, it's great. Let's start doing it tomorrow. It's a good time to do it." Right. And so we go up there, and Tommy has us all in there. Of course, kids weren't around. You know, he he put us all one area there. He talked to us and talked about it. It's been a good season, and you know, kind of summarized everything and gave credit where credit's due. You know, to people, stuff, and everything. And uh, he said, and next year, and boy, I'm going, yes, sir, coach. <laughs> we, we, yeah. We're, we're going to win some games next year, and I'm excited. Let's start talking about it right now. And he said, but I'm not going to be here. Mm. I've already taken a job in Garland. He said, I've had it for two weeks now, but I hadn't told anybody, you know, that, that we're going to have it. And man, you could hear a pin drop in that room. Bink. Coach Watkins is not going to be here. And this is November. We're in November at that time, you know. So okay. So what what transpired after that was uh, a couple of a couple of the coaches on the varsity staff there. They were you know jockeying around. They talking about it. so uh, this one of them was going to apply for the job, and you know and the other guy okay you know and I'll work with you you know and this that and the other. And of course they opened up the job to the outside, and I didn't even think about it. My wife said, hey, why, why don't you think about it? applying for the job and I said no no I'm I'm fine I'm not going to apply for it and they're still in the application process and this that and the other and I hadn't talked to a soul or anything but a man showed up at at my house one afternoon knocking on the door and I opened him up and and I recognized opening up thanks again for listening and please remember if you could to go and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts until next time